0: So I finally got the letter back from 23 Me.
1: Oh, what'd they say?
0: That my check bounced. <laughs> Welcome back to River Heights Radio, everyone. I'm Carl Hauser,
1: And I'm Hope Busby.
0: And we are here with a clue, an old stagecoach, and our water waltzing,
1: modeling,
0: stagecoach chasing, digging, girl detective, <laughs> Nancy Drew. Drew.
1: This is the clue in the old stagecoach. And we're back
0: out west.
1: Uh, uh, uh. And <laughs> I'm loving these quick intros. Like, we're just in it.
0: Feet first. We jump into the action.
1: Nancy, this is one of the steepest hillsides I've ever climbed down, said Bess Marvin. I hope the mystery you're about to solve will be worth all this trouble. I like that they make no mention of Bess being plump. She's just a pretty blonde girl. Yep. Nancy, along with being attractive, only has a hint of Titian in her hair. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's mostly normal.
1: They describe George as a sparkling brunette with a good sense of humor, which I think is generous. In fact, she's kind of mean.
0: As tastes change from when these books came out to the 50s. I wonder if we see Bess being described more and more as pretty and George more and more having the good personality. (laughs) Because it was like it was turned around earlier like oh George is slim and Bess has a good personality and now it's like it's the other way around.
1: I did think George was funnier in this one and much less mean. It's true. I will go on a limb and say this is maybe my favorite one. I'm not saying it's Mona Lisa like I'm not saying it's perfect and there's ways that different ones were better
0: and you really love the Mona Lisa so I see what you bring that <laughs>
1: up but I feel only one instance of racism in here yeah generally enjoyable descriptions and dialogue
0: moved at an okay pace yeah uh, even the even the breaks for summer sports and vacation shenanigans weren't so long
1: and they weren't just one hobby throughout my favorites are always where the girls are off alone and they don't need carson drew they don't need the boys of course the boys show up it's fun when the boys show up yeah but they don't have to be there for much of it
0: and it's not just that they don't need carson drew but this isn't his thing yeah this isn't carson saying you know you're under my employee
1: they're merely hiking from their camp camp Merryweather, into town To visit a lady who has a mystery for Nancy.
0: And they take a car every other time. Yep. But it's a good thing they didn't take a car because from their vantage point, atop the side of a crumbling hill, something catches their eye. Runaway stagecoach?
1: I thought it was going to be, like, a ghost thing.
0: Oh, that would have been fun. Because
1: there is no driver. They see two passengers.
0: Four white horses.
1: Evidently, the horses were running away, which is hilarious once you find out. Guess what?
0: They're, like, made entirely out of plaster. Not real horses, guys.
1: I love George's reaction to all this. She claps her hand to her head and says, Am I dreaming, or have I jumped back in time a hundred years?
0: And honestly, there's no other explanation
1: really not. Horses
0: in 2023?
1: (laughs) Nancy says, I don't know what this means. Nancy and George know they have to chase down this stagecoach.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no one else to stop this ghost (laughs) stagecoach. I guess Uh, this is
1: the ghost of the book. Bess is a real stick in the mud. She says, no, I don't know why we should go after that. What if we
0: don't help them? We
1: can't catch up with it. Let's not. (laughs) Nancy, However, comes up with a course. They'll go in at an angle. Apparently, they're just running over stones. The girls turned their ankles and lost their balance on the uneven stony ground. And I definitely thought that was going to mean someone got injured. But no, they just grabbed tree trunks to steady themselves.
0: Yeah, I'm just thinking of these poor girls' fragile little ankles bending to and fro as they hobble their way down this steep cliff face towards what turns out to be, well, less dangerous than they thought.
1: By the time poor Bess catches up with Nancy and George, they are laughing merrily. As we said before, what's so funny is these horses aren't even real.
0: Yeah, that's um why their legs weren't moving. Oh.
1: Bess is like, "But the stagecoach, what about that? Is that fake?" And Nancy's like, "I'm sure it's authentic."
0: What? <laughs> First of all, why? <laughs> There's no reason not to believe this isn't all, you know, a kid's science fair exhibit or something.
1: The passengers are literally plastic dummies. So how did this stagecoach get here?
0: Yeah, so immediately I was like, wait, okay, so this is a car that's made to look like a stagecoach, because how's it going on its own?
1: Yeah, Well, Nancy is a detective and she (laughs) deduces through careful observation that there's a broken chain attached to it and it must have been being towed along by a truck when it went flying. Thus, an attempt to get out of the rest of the journey says, we won't have to go on to Mrs. Strux. We have a mystery on our hands right here.
0: (laughs) This seems good, guys. Let's investigate this.
1: And she also says, we need to stay and guard this until someone shows up for it. Which they do. shortly. You may think, reader, that this is the stagecoach of title fame. Oh, yeah. well, it is a red herring.
0: Turns out, I mean, stagecoaches, they're around.
1: Feel free to count the red herrings throughout this novel. (laughs) Anyways, sure enough, a handsome young driver comes up. Ooh, and is very grateful to them.
0: Joseph O'Keefe,
1: John O'Brien. Oh, which is funny. They're like, we that was feel close. We feel really bad about making fun of Irish people in the last <laughs> book. I I just like to think in my head, John O'Brien is Mike O'Brien's like cousin. Sure. Well, John O'Brien says of course I'm bringing this stagecoach to Bridgeford. I guess you girls haven't heard about the deserted village of Bridgeford that's being restored. You know, the
0: famously deserted <laughs> village of Bridgeford.
1: <laughs> when I was talking to Carl about this book before we read it, mm-hmm. first impressions, what we thought it was going to be about, just by the title and the cover, Carl's like, I bet it's going to be about a ghost town. It
0: feels ghost towny to me.
1: And that's what Bridgeford is. Yep. It's not super important, but it's... Featured, right? Basically, they're making one of those historical reenactment villages out of it.
0: Is there a company that's doing this?
1: Yeah, it's kind of the town. Mrs. Pauling has found an old stagecoach in her barn, gets it fixed up, pays to get fake horses made for it, and sends it off to Bridgeford.
0: Big old paper mache horses, I assume. So
1: that's why John O'Brien is taking it from her place outside of Francisville, where much of this story takes place, yeah, to Bridgeford. As they're listening to this tall, handsome stranger tell them all about Bridgeford, they lose track of the time, and Nancy finally realizes they are heckin' late. We gotta
0: get to Mrs. Stockford.
1: Mrs. Struck. I said that. Here's where we learn about Francisville, where Mrs. Struck lives. Yeah. Francisville has been, until recently, a very small village. However, suddenly, two housing developments were built there.
0: Two. That's a lot.
1: Which seems like an odd choice.
0: It's like, you know, the Bugs Life Ants thing. Just two different companies at the same time were like,
1: let's put a housing
0: development there.
1: Yeah, and they're big enough that this is like mushroomed, is the word they use, the population of Francisville. And the problem is, there's too many children now. See, the problem is, you make a housing development, you get Mm. some humans in there, and then they just mate. (laughs) And now you got a lot of little kids on your hands. Now, the problem is, as the time, you know, as the clock is ticking and these children, Children are getting older about school age, there's no school for these kids.
0: The question is immediately asked, well, does the does the town have enough money for the school? No. They'll well, be- why don't they get federal money? Well, they might get some, but it won't be enough. Well, what happens if a town can't pay for a school? It just disappears. It's unclear. Like, it'll just go under. The town will die.
1: Well, the kids won't get educated, that's right. for sure. It's true. Mrs. Struck lives in an adorable, kind of like Mrs. Honey's cottage in Matilda. It's, it's, it is a colonial home, but it's smart. there's lots of american flowers of different sort
0: not just american but old-fashioned some of them were like boy that is a really old that's not one of the newfangled flowers it's
1: definitely not on trend but (laughs) she is old sure there's a white picket fence and a gate, and it's very lovely. We're meant to like this person, clearly. She ushers them in with old-time courtesy. Again, whatever that is. Gives them minted tea. This is the only hint of, like, where we might be. Maybe we're in the South a bit. Mrs. Strook says, I probably shouldn't intrude on your vacation. But? I heard that you're staying at Merryweather and love to solve mysteries. So I'll let you decide for yourself. Let me tell you the mystery and then we'll see. Mrs. Struck had a great uncle named Abner Langstreet. That's an old man name. In 1853, in September to be exact, he disappeared, taking all his life savings. Nobody hears about him for a decade. A decade later, they find out he was ashamed because he lost all his money because the stagecoach business was going under. Nobody wanted stagecoaches anymore.
0: Not now that they have iron trains. Wow, that was weird. To say that.
1: <laughs> I love it. So, uh, so he was ashamed. So he became a hermit, like, yeah, like just you do. Nearby in the country.
0: Yep. <laughs>
1: Sorry, he didn't come back out, did he? He died. Yeah. In the course of writing them a letter to explain to them what all had happened, and I guess he went on so long he died before he could finish the letter.
0: Yeah, the letter ends much like the letter in Monty Python and the Holy Grail. He's mid-writing it, and it's just like... It's not even a long letter. He could have written this any time before he died.
1: Mm -hmm. But no,
0: he... Seems to have died right in the middle of this thing.
1: Now we have to take a break for a stagecoach lesson, which we will spare you.
0: <laughs> See, the thing about stagecoaches is, and then five full pages of history.
1: Because of course the girls are like two stagecoaches in one hour. It's almost like our life is a poorly written young adult novel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nancy was so pleased to tell Mrs. Struck that there was another stagecoach involved.
1: Yeah, as Mrs. Struck finishes reading the letter that, as Carl eloquently put, ends (laughs) abruptly. Tears are rolling down her cheeks. No doubt she's thinking of her own eminent death as she is also elderly. And (laughs) Carl just gave me a look.
0: I'm just excited to, (laughs) to see what happens next.
1: she says, do you think this story sounds too far-fetched? I have been afraid of being laughed at if I go to the authorities with it, but I thought maybe you.
0: And Nancy pulls out all the empathy she's ever had.
1: All her bedside manner. She sits down on the floor in front of the elderly woman and takes both of her hands into her own. I don't think your story is far-fetched at all says Nancy.
0: I think it really is possible that an Old man who owned a stagecoach died.
1: Because there's supposed to be a treasure in the stagecoach, maybe. I guess. Or a clue to a treasure.
0: Or a clue to a mystery that could contain a treasure.
1: Nancy (gasps) accepts this case. Like, there's no I have to think about it. She doesn't have to call her dad this novel. I love it. Yeah. She's just like, yep, on the case.
0: I'm just trying to get the visual in my head of Nancy sitting down in front of the woman. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like crouching or kneeling. It's just like, what are you doing?
1: (laughs) Get off the floor. Yeah. That's a little bit much of a patronizing gesture honestly. <laughs> it impresses mrs struck who's just glad to not be laughed at honestly nancy says not only will i solve this mystery for you but i think i already know where that clue is i think that stagecoach we saw is probably the only old stagecoach Ever. and i am sure that the clue is inside of that old stagecoach
0: you know the, what i love about old stagecoaches is they always almost call them old but there's like one point in the book where they refer to them as ancient yeah which is such a weird mm-hmm. thing to refer to something that's like not that old it's how ancient america
1: likes to think it's older than it is look like at the
0: 50 years ago it's
1: ancient for america carl (laughs) what i love about this novel and this works for me i could see it getting really old it does a little bit but it's one of those where anything that happens you see nancy's reaction you see bess's reaction you see george's reaction they just put them right in a row this is what nancy thinks this is what george thinks this is what Bess thinks so Nancy thinks she might solve this mystery this very day. George thinks that Mr. Langstreet Street might have been a little zany and there may be no clue. No treasure. Best scolds, George. You're so practical. Why don't you look at the romantic side of it? Because that's how you all of mysteries is looking at the romantic side of it and we are seeing the pragmatism of george throughout the book pounded home
0: interestingly nancy's the only one who's wrong out of the three of them
1: <laughs> that's true he was
0: kind of crazy <laughs> And he did leave a romantic little treasure. But it didn't get solved today.
1: However, in a Nancy Drew first, Bess says, You've been outvoted, George. Which, first of all, usually it's Bess that's outvoted. Mm -hmm. And second of all, they agree to a little bet. Oh, yeah. Where if they do manage to solve this mystery, George will have to knit them sweaters.
0: It's a really interesting view into the life of teenagers of the past. Because... (laughs) (laughs) They ask George to knit them both sweaters partially because she hates knitting.
1: Yeah, it's especially
0: cruel. And it really is fascinating to me that you can have someone like George who hates knitting and yet is good enough at it. Two people feel confident that she could make two usable sweaters.
1: Oh, please not that, says George. Sweaters are nothing, says Bess. Really turns the screws on that one. So, indeed, George does agree to this. Now, Mrs. Struck is a lovely hostess. Very kind. Pours that minted tea so freely.
0: Oh, I think Mrs. Struck would just accept anyone into her home.
1: Ah, you might think that. As Nancy and her friends open the door to leave.
0: Oh, who could be there? There's no one so bad that they wouldn't want to see them. Ah! Ah! Oh, the Monteiths.
1: They are also staying at Camp Merryweather.
0: They're the friggin' worst.
1: Crucially, and I missed this upon my first read,
0: they're 30 years old.
1: They're in their early 30s.
0: 12 years, our hero senior.
1: <laughs> Which makes it, it makes a difference.
0: It makes it weirder. Yeah. A lot weirder. It makes it weirder how much these teen girls bully these two people. And it makes it weirder how desperately these two people seem to want to be part of our heroes' lives.
1: Yeah. First of all, you know Ross is no good because he has piercing black eyes.
0: Not the good kind, like from the last book.
1: And you know, Audrey is a braggart.
0: Oh, and...
1: She attempted by her speech and mannerisms to appear more sophisticated than she actually was.
0: I hate it. I hate it when people act sophisticated, but at the core of their being, in the truth of their nature, aren't sophisticated. Stay in your lane. If you're... If...
1: Yeah, honestly, yeah.
0: If your true self Mm. at your philosophical core is not sophisticated, I better not see you using silverware. Eat off the ground like a beast because you are not sophisticated no matter how you act.
1: Well, and as we find out later, perhaps this is just her pretending she has a southern accent. (laughs) Maybe, (laughs) yeah. Like a southern drawl. Yeah. The girls are fairly sure that the Monteiths have been spying on them.
0: It seems very odd that they should go on a hike And become thirsty Which is their excuse for being at this door And go to the very home That Nancy and the gang was in To ask for a glass of water Which they are only Begrudgingly given
1: I actually do find that pretty suspicious. It is. <laughs> and, uh, and that would be the reason to dislike them, not all those other reasons. Yes, Mrs. Strook makes it very clear that they will not be coming into the house. They will drink their water in the garden.
0: She allows them to sit on her garden furniture, which is very kind.
1: She was frowning, and it was evident that she was annoyed by the intrusion.
0: The fact that Miss Strix so quickly takes a dislike to them is so funny to me. Mm. Like, I'm sorry, water?
1: <laughs> Do I know you? Have you um,
0: Have you considered fucking yourselves?
1: <laughs> the Monteiths ask, are you going back to the lodge, girls?
0: What are you up to? What are you doing?
1: I really don't know, Bess replied and walked away. <laughs>
0: They just are having none of the Monteiths.
1: No, they are like so openly rude and have such animosity for these guys. And the Monteiths, to be fair pretend that they don't see any of it
0: Mm -hmm. every conversation with the monteiths is see you later with a not if i see you first
1: (laughs) george whispers to mrs struck i'm glad that you didn't invite the monteiths in they're staying at our camp and are very inquisitive people
0: (laughs) you know i hate inquisitive people you know mind your business stay out of my life My garbage. My property. (laughs) My mystery. My stagecoach.
1: Yes, Mrs. Strip now decides that she wants her mystery kept secret, which it seems like should have been said earlier, since the girls were on their way out. Yeah. But yes, it's the strictest confidence, as you know.
0: Well, we don't want that treasure taken by someone who isn't the first person to tell us about it.
1: The girls all agree that the Monteiths were eavesdropping.
0: The girls didn't drive here. So this would involve the Monteiths keeping an eye on these girls as they hiked. Yeah. As they waited by the stagecoach. Uh-huh. As they went into the house. Uh-huh. And then going up to the house and just putting their ear to the door.
1: The open window is their theory.
0: It's always an open
1: window. (laughs) Just don't leave your windows open. Get AC. They finally make it back to the lodge. The boys and their large group of friends are so eager for them to swim with them.
0: Oh my god, is it the boys? I love the boys. You know. (laughs) Not those boys.
1: I love this part too because it reminds me of Ponyo when they're like hey, Satsuki, can you come play with me? And he's like, can't, I have a job. And they're like, you're five, you can't have a job. And he's like, but I do. And I love the, the same tone I feel like is here, you tell me. The, the group of young people invites them to go swimming. Nancy says, we can't just now have a job to do. Right? It's just like the shortness of it, I feel like.
0: Yeah, it feels a little bit like when they were on the cruise mm-hmm. and everyone was like, do you want to hang out? Yeah. no, nope, we got sign language to read.
1: I actually think it's a lot like the cruise because the cruise was their most independent mm-hmm. case. Independent of the boys, independent of Carson, like independent of everyone.
0: Independent of a lot of reality. <laughs>
1: Okay, so here are here are the boys, the special boys.
0: Oh yeah, uh, oh gosh, I always forget their names. It's um, Rick Larrabee. Net- Net-
1: Rick Larrabee, tall, very blonde, and an excellent dancer. Nancy had enjoyed having dances with him during her stay at camp. Also, you said his last name didn't come up till later, but this is his last name on page.
0: 15 i disagree
1: you disagree <laughs> well i got it right here buddy
0: why do they not give rick a last name why is he the madonna of the crew but i guess i missed his last name
1: so rick asks do you have a mystery to solve nancy nancy says a detective never tells her secrets but i promise we'll all join you later i mean i would argue that a girl detective Tells all of her secrets to the exact right people at the exact right time.
0: Yep, like all good artists, Nancy Drew knows if she told someone something at the right time by virtue of whether she told them at that time.
1: Yeah, I'll hold you to that, Rick replied smooth. I do love when they date other men. Dave was getting much too cocky in these last few books.
0: Dave, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I remember a Dave? Oh, do you mean Hob White?
1: Nancy, George, and Bess decide to visit John O'Brien at Bridgeford, and this is our our incident of Bess's racism for the book. John O'Brien is telling them about the blacksmith and all the weapons the blacksmith used to make because there's a real blacksmith shop in Bridgeford.
0: Bess is like, oh, I know about history
1: because he says these were for helping ward off unexpected attacks from enemies.
0: Oh, like Indians, like Indians guys. Guys, is it Indians that they were attacked by?
1: Even the workman seems a little, like, annoying. He's (laughs) like,
0: I guess. He
1: nodded. Like,
0: I mean, sure, amongst other things, probably.
1: But joking aside, that's not
0: okay. Let's not pretend that there wasn't, at times, contentious relations between the colonizers and indigenous people of this country. I think it's not that it's an acknowledgement that that might be some of the people who they would protect themselves from but just like this jump to cowboys versus Indians of course you know us and the savages.
1: It's a, such a seemingly small thing with all the atrocities committed and still committed yep. towards indigenous peoples but it truly oh, I don't know why, or, well I do know why, but it just pisses me off that Native Americans and Indigenous people have been called Indians. Oh, sure. Yeah. There's just a place in my mind that feels like that is so inaccurate as to make you look stupid, A, Yeah. like I'm somebody who needs accuracy. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so dumb. But B, that seems so to the nth degree disrespectful. Right, right. It's it's insult to injury. If we want to gain power over other people, one major way you can do this, and this goes way, way back in our understanding of magic and spells, is if you know the name of things, if you know what to call them, you can have power over them.
0: Ah, it's like a stolen name.
1: Yeah, it's like in Spirited Away, she takes Chihiro's name, right? Because that's such a big thing. You take somebody's name, you take something's name, and this is true. Yeah. If you control the language... If you control the way another person or people are talked about, and especially if you can do that in a dehumanizing way, then you can create situations that you're bound to create atrocities. Like you're setting yourself up to create that environment.
0: Really what jumps out is the assumption that it was Native Americans attacking. And it's almost, it's the same thing, but from a different perspective. Because it comes from hundreds of years of this push in our culture to have this weird both sides of the whole thing. In the end, we all have to look back and say, oh, you know, we we genocided the indigenous people. But, you know, they attacked our towns sometimes. And it's like, good God. You know, this is not an equal. And I know that's not what Bess was saying. That's not what she was implying.
1: Well, and this is the 1950s. And even in my 1980s upbringing, where I think a lot of people thought they were creating a lot of change, you still had things like Peter Pan Disney. Oh, yeah. Which I was reminded recently, how incredibly offensive and racist Mm -hmm. that movie is and I grew up steeped in that and then the other thing I grew up steeped in is Little House on the Prairie another young adult series which I had read to me I read myself multiple times was definitely a part of my field of imagination as a child I learned to count on the song 10 Little Indians for Pete's sake Cowboys and Indians was certainly a game you might play. And I don't think that I'm outside of the norm with all of this. Yeah. And so all of these things have in common, you know, first of all, racism, obviously. Obviously using the term Indians, which I even as a child was not a fan of. Not for the same reasons but just because of the inaccuracy I think. But also this, yes like you're talking about, this view that it was cowboys and indigenous people. And that they were at odds. And that maybe there was some kind of war going on. And you know, all's fair in war in the western mind. Mm -hmm. Like our western literature says that. So it must be true. Right. Even though we also have created these rules that are like, you shouldn't break this this is a war crime but then like maybe we can like bend those rules if we effing want to yep yep I don't know there's a lot to be said but I think we've hit Some of the major points, how something so little and so seemingly innocuous. Recently, a bunch of Roll Doll books have been edited and people are flipping their minds over it. And I'm like, I'm okay with that. This Nancy Drew book would be so much more enjoyable to me if you took this out. Now, am I am I saying remove the history of how racist this book is? Am I saying that will actually fix anything? Because the racism is woven in so tightly, this series needs a rewrite, and it needs to be not a white Nancy as we've talked about you know for it to be really relevant or interesting to me at this point but all that aside at least edit out things like this you know, it's so unnecessary to the plot or to the character development or to anything this book is doing that it's just, why not? I'm all for it. I'm all for editing things out.
0: Mm-hmm. Did you hear the Roll doll estate went back on that? No, I
1: didn't. That yeah. makes me mad.
0: Even worse, I think they said something along the lines of, we're going to offer both versions?
1: Which was already the case because it's not like there's not a million copies of the old thing circulating. And that's the thing, is like, we could stop printing it like this in Nancy Drew books. It's not going to be lost to history well says nancy maybe we've done enough sightseeing may we inspect the stagecoach sure but don't damage anything says john o'brien
0: not yet
1: and i'll just leave you here alone with it and trust you won't damage this very old antique nancy compares it to the photo that Mrs. Struck gave her and it's an exact match.
0: So it's the stagecoach.
1: And you know how each stagecoach, they always made it you know, very unique. It's own design.
0: Stagecoaches, like snowflakes, are easily uh, and readily identifiable.
1: Super, said George. Now let's find that clue. Now Nancy figures out pretty quickly that it is not going to be easy to find this clue.
0: You got doors to open.
1: They split up the carriage and each look at a different part. Yep. Beth gets the butt of the, I mean the boot of the carriage yep. of the stagecoach and she finds a newspaper which is like oh this is a clue it's from 1860 it's it's gotta be a clue
0: and what's interesting about it is it's absolutely nothing
1: yeah they pour over it it's a oh, another red herring
0: i just feel bad for george who they made inspect under the stagecoach she just made her crawl under there and tap the bottom
1: bess is just dismayed she thought she had solved this whole mystery
0: The treasure of the old stagecoach is one old newspaper.
1: (laughs) Nancy says... I wonder if we could possibly look inside the cushions and other hiding places.
0: She just wants to rip this thing apart like a clue pinata.
1: Well, says John O'Brien, you're going to want to come to this. We're opening up the water wheel.
0: The water wheel?
1: Uh, uh, uh. It hasn't turned in a hundred years, you know.
0: I mean, it's so exciting that if you were there, (laughs) you too would nearly incite yourself into a riot to get close to this water wheel. there's
1: a whole... Crowd. Luckily, Bess, George, and Nancy have gotten front row seats right yeah. up against that old wooden edge.
0: But I mean, the crowd is just there. There's hundreds and thousands of people pushing and <laughs> struggling to see.
1: Just as they start the water going and we see that the wheel is working, an overeager man stumbled into Bess and knocked her off balance. I
0: want to see, I want to see. Splash.
1: Unable to steady herself, the astonished girl tumbled headlong into the sluice water. Bess cried out and tried to grab the wooden side, but the rushing water was too powerful. She was swept along toward the turning blades of the great water wheel.
0: You know, back in the 1800s, two or three people every day would die as the town crowded around water wheels like lemons <laughs> pushing each other in to see if it was still dangerous. <laughs> well,
1: luckily, George and Nancy take a wild leap forward and catch Bess. They fish her out only to start (laughs) laughing at her.
0: Soaked and bedraggled.
1: Poor Bess just is like, please let's go home.
0: It's only from sheer luck that Nancy doesn't have more mystery to do here. Because otherwise she would not.
1: I just don't think that ever happens without a little note to you, the reader. Like, Nancy really didn't want to leave.
0: yeah. Nope, maybe. in this circumstance, there wasn't any more mystery here. By
1: luck, yes. (laughs) There's a lot of apologizing to Bess. They don't want to get sued. The the person who pushed her. The people who were running the whole thing. John O'Brien for recommending they see it.
0: Bess is just standing there the whole time like, let me leave.
1: Yes. Outside of the little accident, we really had a wonderful time here, says Nancy.
0: She drives home with a top <laughs> down and best chattering her teeth.
1: Because they are so sure the Monteiths are following them, when they get back to the lodge, they decide to park in an inconspicuous parking space to save Bess's reputation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What would they say if they saw her all bedraggled?
0: Right. We certainly don't want to see the Monteiths. Like an evil genie! There they are!
1: (laughs) Who appeared like apparitions out of the bushes that surrounded the parking area. Not a very safe parking lot in general is how I feel about it.
0: Friggin' Monteiths just, like, playing craps and smoking weed in the bushes (laughs) waiting for Nancy to get home.
1: (laughs) Why, Bess Marvin, whatever have you been doing to yourself? I had a little swim, Bess returned tersely.
0: (laughs) And then Audrey has the absolute gall to reach out (laughs) and open up Bess's raincoat that she has draped over herself to have a look at her wet t-shirt, I guess.
1: But not a swim you intended to take. (laughs) Instead of letting them go change, Ross continues this conversation (laughs) in an attempt to make it even creepier. He says... Mrs. Strick is a delightful old lady, isn't she?
0: Was it her you took a bath with? What happened?
1: The questioning continues. They're clearly trying to find out more Mm -hmm. about this mystery.
0: The Monteiths are not allowed to solve mysteries. It's rude and bad if they try. This
1: was their mystery first. (laughs) Yeah. So you won't talk? Audrey remarked, Nancy, you don't have to be so tight with your information. (laughs) Nobody ever has had the audacity to say that to Nancy.
0: (laughs) After 30 books, we're the only ones who can see how tightly her neck tightens. She's like, (laughs) yeah, I don't have to tell you shit.
1: Nancy and her friends were annoyed, but resolved not to lose their tempers. (laughs) love that self-control. And they
0: will keep resolving.
1: George, however, ends up losing her temper. A teensy bet. She says, Like you and your husband, we had a cool drink there. Only ours was iced tea. Dun, dun, dun! (laughs) Of all the weird, subtle insults to tell someone.
0: I'm sorry, is it a little bit sunny out? Because George is throwing some shade.
1: Enough shade that finally... These creepy creepers look at each other as if to say, We're not going to find out anything now.
0: Well, excuse us. We've got some 15 year olds to bother. <laughs>
1: Bess fumed. Nancy, first thing you know, those horrible creatures will be taking the mystery right out of your hands and trying to solve it themselves. Nancy was silent for a few seconds. Then she set her jaw firmly. Let them try it.
0: As she considered possible murders. (laughs)
1: You would think if anyone solves this mystery, the mystery's solved. The town's helped. Mrs. Struck is happy. What's the problem?
0: Oh, I would love to explain this to you, but if you don't understand already how unacceptable that is.
1: Well Nancy suggested that they put on their bathing suits.
0: As long as your makeup's ruined anyway, Bess, let's go for a swim they can't make fun of us for.
1: And anyway, we promised Rick and the others.
0: And others.
1: The three girls thoroughly enjoyed themselves. There was no more mention of the mystery until they were preparing for bed, which is a lot like the brass trunk as well. They solved that whole mystery as they were going to sleep. (laughs) Yeah, they did,
0: didn't
1: they? Nancy, being so sure that Mrs. Pauling's stagecoach that is over in Bridgeford that they've already searched, is in fact the correct stagecoach, calls up Mrs. Strook and says, hey, can I tell Mrs. Pauling about your case in order to get her to let me take her stagecoach apart. Bess and George, however, cannot attend this whole line of mystery because they have a tennis match.
0: Oh, that should be fun.
1: Nancy's like, I'm sorry. We take a break for Sunday. They go to church. Mrs. Struck generously agrees to let Nancy talk to Mrs. Pauline because she has heard that Mrs. Pauline is a fine woman and very civic-minded.
0: That's a nice tea-worthy lady.
1: As Nancy pulls up to Mrs. Pauling's house mm-hmm. out come a whole pack of hounds wouldn't you know it and Nancy says they're cute and harmless
0: fairly friendly but then
1: two very large police dogs
0: here come the popo and I get it that's scarier they, Dobermans there's
1: some breed yeah, is what is the breed? policeman dogs
0: She owns too many dogs.
1: She does. These dogs, these police dogs begin to bark noisily. They Get out of
0: the vehicle. Put your hands up.
1: Yeah, just like police, they station themselves on (coughs) either side of her vehicle making sure she can't get out of it.
0: It's all very Cujo.
1: Luckily, Mrs. Pauline comes out right then.
0: The first of two times that these girls are trapped in their car by animals.
1: It's just Nancy this time though.
0: Fair enough.
1: So a woman of about 60 quiets down Raxon Brutus.
0: That's the kind of name that you would name a a mean dog. And again, it's weird that we start with some nice dogs, then some mean dogs, then none of it mattered.
1: The dogs are having their morning run. You see, I am well protected. So here's a classic bit of Nancy's social prowess. They were certainly on the job. I'm Nancy Drew from River Heights. I'm staying at Camp Merriweather. Are you Mrs. Pauline?
0: Mrs. Pauline's immediate reaction is like, I'll talk with you if you're not selling me anything. And that was the introduction of someone selling you something.
1: Yeah, right?
0: Okay, Slick, what do you want?
1: But then immediately she's like, are you by any chance Carson Drew's daughter?
0: And there it is. There's your in.
1: Why, yes, I am.
0: That's what separates the Drews from the Monteiths.
1: Apparently, years ago, Mr. Pauling was helped out by a Carson Drew.
0: Sure, of course.
1: <laughs> (laughs) Dad's wonderful, Nancy said. As she's walking through the house, the book zooms in on a newspaper talking about how bad it is that they can't afford a school for those poor children. Mm. (laughs) If only I could find a clue, says Nancy. So the plan is to have a carpenter out and the painter out, and the carpenter will pull apart this Stagecoach so that Nancy can check inside of all the cushions, under all the cushions, in everything. It's gonna be just dissected, is what they they literally call it dissected. Yeah.
0: yeah. They're gonna take every piece of the stagecoach apart as if they were going to bury it.
1: As Nancy leaves the residence of Mrs. Pauling, we meet, I think one of the most My sympathetic favorite villain. villains. <laughs> A
0: God, tall I love this
1: guy. muscular man in work clothes comes striding up to her. My
0: name is Jud.
1: Are you nancy drew yes and he's off on a tirade he is letting her have it
0: you <laughs> get you get out of here mind your own business people don't want you here detective little girl getting around here little t- city high folk. city folks yeah i have
1: nothing to do with all those things <laughs> says nancy yes you do you're part of this whole deal Now keep your nose out of our community affairs you're
0: amongst the opposition
1: He glared belligerently. If you don't... I
0: don't care.
1: You're going to get hurt. I'll pull
0: down your underwear. Don't go nancy
1: Too amazed to reply again, Nancy stared at the truculent stranger. Word of the book.
0: Hmm, truculent.
1: Well, not quite. But the other word isn't real. Yeah. And he burst into a second tirade. And the roar! <laughs> so out comes Mrs. Pauling, essentially chasing him away. And she says, what a dreadful creature. I arrived too late to hear all he was saying to you. At the end, though, it sounded like a threat. Now, this is the second time our enemies have been called creatures.
0: Well, maybe if they were a touch more sophisticated at their core and heart, then they wouldn't be such Creatures.
1: i mean it's another example of gaining control by naming and dehumanizing
0: people so nancy decides she's gonna try
1: to follow him and is completely unsuccessful so nancy decides to follow her nose to poke it in wherever she wants and goes straight for francisville yeah. she ends up at a drugstore quizzing the druggist i'll buy some makeup she says but first i want some information she's telling him about this stranger
0: he's thing. like yeah that's just a, 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 just a wacko that's that's Judd Hiller.
1: Yeah, he has no use for city people.
0: Except to yell at him.
1: Would you call him a dangerous individual, Nancy asks? oh no, i just say queer. Very queer.
0: Despite this man's <laughs> insistence he is a formidable foe, he does not prove to be entirely dangerous. Not himself specifically.
1: <laughs> I guess not. Despite this reassurance, Nancy still felt a little worried. <laughs> yeah. So the druggist says to accommodate all the children this fall, it will be necessary to run classes from 8 in the morning until 6 at night. And frankly, I don't know how long teachers can stand it. I've
0: been saying that about public school (laughs) teachers for a while now.
1: That's a shame, said Nancy. I suppose your only solution is to have some good fairy leave a lot of money here. (laughs) How annoyed would you be if a city person came into your town and said that to you?
0: I don't know how town infrastructure works, but it's rarely through good fairies.
1: Nancy fancies herself the good fairy back at Camp Merriweather. Best... And George sat glumly. What's wrong, asked Nancy. Bess heaved a tremendous sigh. (sighs) And George said, her words clipped and showing deep annoyance, that they're going to be playing against Audrey and Ron. The Monty! (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine such luck? Says George. I'm so mad I don't even want to talk about it. Bess spoke up. And of course, upon hearing about Judd, Bess wants Nancy to give up the whole case. Yeah.
0: Danger. Have you considered not doing any of this?
1: Judd Hillary is just queer. Not dangerous. I see no reason why he and I should ever meet again. Why Nancy? said George admonishingly. Don't you realize that Judd Hillary somehow found out about your interest in helping the town of Francisville? (laughs) I mean, yeah. Yeah. Nancy looked startled. George, believe it or not, I didn't think of that. Well, I promise you both I'll watch my step. George gets to admonish Nancy. And Nancy gets to be like, for real this time, I'm kind of dumb. Like, oh, yeah. I, I messed that up. So she fills the cousins in about how they're going to dissect the old stagecoach. Oh, yeah. If we find the clue, then we shan't have to worry anymore about Judd Hillary anyway. Easy peasy. It's tennis time. That old Rick Larrabee walks up to Nancy and says,
0: I drew your name. Wait a minute. <laughs> it turns out- Excuse me, Mr. Goblet of Fire, but I didn't put my name in there.
1: <laughs> she looked at him, her eyes twinkling merrily. Realizing Nancy had guessed the truth, Rick told her that he had not entered the tournament either. <laughs> Just for that little joke, I'll beat you, says Nancy, but as the book makes clear, he gives her a run for her money or mouth or whatever. Yeah,
0: also, it turns out she meant it tennis.
1: But she did win. Yep. So then, few people at the lodge liked the Monteiths, and most of the onlookers at Bess and George's match, which Rick and Nancy are just in time for, were secretly hoping that the Monteiths would be badly trounced.
0: Well, Hope, I'm sure everyone at an establishment as fine as Camp Merryweather is sure to notice that the Monteiths are not as sophisticated as they <laughs> pretend to be, and therefore should be killed on the court!
1: Well, Bess and George did indeed win, And the hand clapping was loud. The special friends whom the girls had made at Camp Merriweather rushed up to hug or congratulate the winners. The Monteiths looked sad. Yay! The Monteiths' faces were flushed and angry. Look at them crying! Hey, everyone, look! They're crying! Finding they were receiving no attention, the two finally left the court. Well, Nancy says, this is inconvenient. I'm glad you won on the one hand. On the other hand, how are you supposed to join me for the mystery? The whole plan is to get the tournament to work around the mystery. Easy. Well, especially since they lose the next game.
0: Yeah, it just kind of gets the whole thing out of the way.
1: Nancy, however, was thrilled by her friend's Loyalty. John O'Brien is supposed to bring the stagecoach to Mrs. Pauline's place. Well, they
0: should probably just wait for him on the road then.
1: Doesn't really make sense, but yeah, they do the that. Road. He doesn't come, so.
0: Oh, they he's f- probably there already.
1: They finally think he's probably there, which, if he had arrived on time, he absolutely would have been apparently already
0: yeah, there. <laughs> so they were they, being weird.
1: They were really wasting their time. But he is not there. He's over an hour late, which isn't like John wait, O'Brien. Wait,
0: John O'Brien late?
1: Yeah. And then as they wait longer and longer, they're like, something's wrong. They call his superiors and they say, he's been gone for hours. He should have been there by now. A while later, they receive a call from John O'Brien who says he was bound and gagged by two masked men. They didn't talk at all, so he doesn't know their voices. He does know that he was tied up with sailor's knots, and he saw one of the men's wrists.
0: There was a slanted scar on the wrist, and the other man was blonde. So those are the two traits they have. Blonde and wrist scar.
1: It's at this point that Mrs. Pauling puts John O'Brien on hold and says, I gotta ask Nancy. What do Nancy, I do? Nancy knows what to do. Call the cops. Oh, the cops. Well, Nancy says, I'd love to dash over there and look for some clues. So, on the scene is Officer Gavin and Officer Star. Gavin asked Nancy if she had any theory regarding the theft.
0: Yeah, it was stolen.
1: But Nancy is on her guard, as you should be when you talk to cops. <laughs> Encounters with, I understand there are a good many people in this area who are opposed to new (laughs) The officer kind of cocks his head and is like, are you being straight with me? Nancy's only answer was a laugh. So then Nancy asks if she can follow the police as they drive around town trying to solve the mystery. The police ask for best George and Nancy to help them like canvas the neighborhoods. But the payoff of this scene is once the officers give up and leave and say, That's all we can do, that's you're done for the day. Nancy's like, Actually, I think they didn't come this far. I think that the stagecoach they just hid it in those same woods that they bound and gagged him in. Let's just go (laughs) look.
0: She doesn't tell the cops that. And the thing about that is, she's right.
1: See, I feel like they all have their moments in solving this mystery, because Bess finds the bridal path, Mm -hmm. and once they go down this bridal path, sure enough, they find the stagecoach.
0: Overturned. Or at least on its side.
1: But Bess does what I always do and almost gives up right before she finds
0: it. (laughs) She's
1: like, I think we should go back. Nancy's like, "Mm, I can't say that I think that myself. Oh, I should have made it clear. They are following wheel tracks down this this road and the wheel tracks haven't stopped or anything. Nancy,
0: don't you know that the time you find something is always right after you give up? Mm -hmm. Bess is working smarter, not harder.
1: They finally find the stagecoach. It is on its side. It isn't smart mashed George says all those hijackers wanted to do was to get rid of it but why
0: why indeed
1: Nancy did not try to answer the question she was not sure she agreed with George <laughs> Bess is like let's go get the cops now that we've established where the stagecoach is Nancy is like mm, Nancy, little mystery down yeah, there if, though if I wanted them involved I would have told them my theory Bess <laughs> let's split up Nancy says which is always just oof Pro that's choice. what they teach you in detective Pro school choice. so Bess is given the key runs back to the car. Now, so much was made about this key, because we also got to hear about Nancy putting it in her dress when they got out of the car.
0: Yeah, but it doesn't get lost or anything. But I really
1: thought, yeah, I thought someone was going to break into the car, something was going to happen, but nothing. I don't like this arrangement, Bess said, but I'll do it, and please be careful.
0: I hate this, but fine.
1: Just to make you happy, says George. (laughs) Just as the two girls walked up to the old stagecoach,
0: they find Bess isn't wrong.
1: A man's deep voice commanded hard. Stand where you are. Now, 100%, this is where they should have gotten tied up. But in this novel, they never get tied up.
0: I guess not being seen has the same level of threat as, like, having a gun on you. Because they're just like, "Ah,
1: okay. Their hearts pounding. Nancy and George stood stock still. (laughs) Who are you? Nancy asked her hidden opponent. And so she's trying to stall. So she keeps asking annoying questions. He's like, you need to get out of here. And she's like, why? Do as I say say the stranger (laughs) growls we saw this old stagecoach from the top of the cliff george spoke up we'd like to look at it (laughs) leave that old thing alone nancy identifies a huge maple tree that she thinks this Opponent is up in.
0: She tracks that old voice.
1: And finally, after staring at it a while, in a shaft of sunlight, she saw a man's hand and forearm. There was a slantwise scar. From this, she concludes that this is a hijacker. Yep. And there's multiple of them, and they better ski Nancy and George do stay near enough to like keep an eye on the stagecoach. So they observe the hijackers. One of them has a hatchet. The other has a large saw. And you know, hacking apart a stagecoach is nothing like dissecting it.
0: Yeah, what is this? The floor of a pavilion?
1: Nancy somehow signals to the policemen to hurry their butts up by throwing (laughs) a rock their way. (laughs) Seeing these hijackers, the police ran pell-mell down the hillside.
0: No, your ankles!
1: (laughs) I love this bumbling image of these bumbling. (laughs) But just then, somewhere in the woods, came an unusual whistle. Not a strange whistle, this book. An unusual one. (laughs) (laughs) when the two hijackers heard it they ran into the woods the officers gave chase nancy did not follow instead she wants to find the whistler and is not successful (laughs) to everyone's delight the stagecoach has not been significantly damaged well nancy says if two hijackers could bring this down here themselves We can surely bring it up with three girls and two strong police officers.
0: The thing is about that is it didn't take two hijackers to get the stagecoach down the hill. It probably took no one because of how gravity works (laughs) between the three of them (laughs) and the two, like, extremely unwilling police officers because they were clearly unhappy. The
1: two officers looked at her dubiously but finally consented to try. I just imagine them dusting the donut.
0: Donut crumbs off the <laughs> <laughs> you say really our uh, job. We took we took your report and now we just leave, really.
1: Slow removal of the hat and wiping the brow of yeah. sweat. But yeah, between the five <laughs> of them they
0: they manually get this stagecoach all the way up the hill. But-
1: motivates them by flirting with them a little bit. She giggles and she says, This isn't a one-horse, Shay. It's a three-horse stagecoach. The star and Gavin grinned. So Nancy offers to deliver the stagecoach to Mrs. Pauling now, chains it up to the back of her convertible, and drives it over. Mrs. Pauling is astounded that they found it. hmm George is like, Oh no, our tennis match is at 3 o'clock. We'd better dash right off, Bess.
0: It's 1. Have some lunch. It's 12.30.
1: Yeah, it's 1230. <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Pauling insisted that they stay long enough to have lunch, which is a delicious luncheon. Delicious lunch. Chicken sandwiches. Chicken sandwiches. Molded vegetable salad. Molded which
0: is I assume one of those jello like Probably. Veg- basically vegetable jello.
1: And tall glasses of lemonade. Lemonade.
0: George is just a little bit tired of the insepid conversations that she keeps having with this woman.
1: Mrs. Pauling asks if the girls were familiar with the history of stagecoaches. Uh-huh. None of them were. It's really very interesting, Mrs. Pauling
0: said.
1: Uh Uh-huh. So, Bess and George do dash off to their tennis match and Nancy is left with Mr. Jennings, the carpenter, who makes small talk with her more information about stagecoaches while he takes part the No, stage I
0: coach. already learn Okay, uh-huh. Mr. This, Jennings takes is... that
1: thing apart and he finds nothing. I'm terribly sorry. I know how disappointed you are. Nancy apologized profusely for all the trouble she had caused. I mean, yeah. She doesn't usually do that.
0: She had this particular stagecoach hauled across town, stolen,
1: (laughs) completely dismantled,
0: and all for literally nothing but a hunch.
1: That's true. (laughs) Mrs. Pauling said, please don't worry. I'm only sorry that the little dream which all of us had did not become a reality. I admit I'm terribly disappointed, said Nancy, but I'm not giving up. I've come to this conclusion. We've been investigating the wrong stagecoach. So,
0: according to my studies, (laughs) there were at least two stagecoaches coaches.
1: But how in the world are you gonna find the right stagecoach? If it wasn't by coincidence the stagecoach that you ran into Nancy Drew sadly Bess and George not fueled by their hatred of the Monteiths
0: are no longer able to put up a a show.
1: (laughs) Yeah they lose their tennis match. Nancy Ever the Good Friend says (laughs) too bad but that will give you all the more time to help me solve my mystery. This is you can call dibs on a mystery, and everybody has to recognize your ownership of that mystery. Nancy at lunch is talking with Rick Larrabee.
0: It does not say his last name, does it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I.
1: The man she dated sure. when she was rudely interrupted by a woman's voice. And how did the young sleuth make out today?
0: Monteith.
1: Turning, Nancy looked straight into the eyes of Audrey. Oh, very well, thank you. Nancy replied and turned back to talk to Rick. Audrey, however, was not to be brushed aside easily Nancy, don't be so secretive
0: You know, if the Monteiths weren't bad guys, I would start to feel pretty bad for them.
1: Nancy heaved a great sigh. (sighs) Then said as pleasantly as possible, I really have nothing to tell. I admit I am trying to solve a mystery, but as yet, I haven't done so. Rick at this point took hold of her arm, removes her to the outdoor movie amphitheater. A bunch of friends, like, surround her. So that Audrey can't get at her. The next morning, they go out to see Mrs. Strick. Nancy tells Mrs. Strick, We plan a full day of sleuthing. Mrs. Strick is also disappointed that they have to find a different stagecoach. Oh,
0: second (laughs) stagecoach.
1: There's such a long, boring part that they are trying to find anything from this great uncle. Any papers, any letters. The lady's like, no, there isn't anything. There's only a diary. So then they're trying to find this diary. We get a lesson on stamp collecting.
0: The second she talked about the value of them in which she said, oh, this one's worth like $7,000. It's not even in that good a condition. And Beth said, wow. So if there was a whole book of them. They'd be worth like fifty thousand or something. The second they said that, I'm like, okay, so the treasures, it's it stamps.
1: Meanwhile, I just didn't care. I'm like
0: I'm immediately like, it stamps. I mean that's the only explanation for what I just had to sit through.
1: And then they do go upstairs finally, and they're each given like a trunk to like search. Yeah. And Bess is for some reason <laughs> given a trunk of clothing which if an old lady brings you to an attic and there's a trunk of clothes what we've always seen happen in nancy drew put it on you try it on you do a little show yeah but that didn't happen this time but i just love that everybody else got a trunk full of newspapers letters and books
0: this shirt isn't a diary (laughs) these pants aren't a diary
1: (laughs) but she does notice that Mrs. Struck is looking very tired and offers to go get water. So we're seeing a return to the best that we saw in the broken locket.
0: Yeah, that the, is like... the caregiver. Now that they've searched the attic, have to search the rafters of the attic.
1: There's a bunch of boxes up there. Mrs. Struck doesn't remember what's in them.
0: <laughs> and Nancy is pulling down this box.
1: She stood on tiptoe and tugged at it. Little by little the box inched along toward the edge, but suddenly it fell on her head.
0: And here's the thing. That was dumb.
1: Nancy is murmuring as she's coming to. There's already a big bump forming in front of their eyes on her head, cartoon style. George runs downstairs and gets some ice cubes and a towel. Nancy comes to. She's seated on the sofa and she says, oh, I'll be okay in a few moments.
0: It's not like I hit my head or anything.
1: She was, however, relieved to have an ice pack. Soon her good humor returned and she remarked, Facetiously. I'll have to change my hairdo for a couple of days to hide this bump. You like that joke, Carl? She looks so miffed. This is an assault on comedy!
0: <laughs> Worried about her health.
1: Well, the others laughed, and they all knew now that she was all right. The other nice thing is this sacrifice was not for nothing.
0: No, because that (laughs) incredibly heavy box of precariously balanced paperwork contained one journal.
1: The diary is, like, not mega helpful either after all of this.
0: Incredibly unhelpful.
1: (laughs) She believes that Mr. Abner Langstreet loved his stagecoach. He wouldn't have sold
0: it. Mm-mm. Loved it like a daughter.
1: If you're right, Nancy said best, where do we go from here? Nancy had a quick answer to the place where Mr. Abner Langstreet spent his last days.
0: His home.
1: Since Mrs. Struck does not feel physically up to going to her great uncle's home, she is going to circle on a map where it is for the girls. Mm-hmm. Nancy goes out to her car to get a road map and who Surprise! does she find? Judd Hillary. I've been waiting for you. Yes? Nancy asked in surprise. I gave you a warning, young lady, but you're not
0: paying any attention to it. You keep doing and saying things.
1: It suddenly occurred to Nancy that he had probably posted himself there to see what she was doing and where she was going. (laughs) Suddenly, John Hillary burst out, What did you do with the old stagecoach? Nancy was so amazed at the question that she stared dumbfounded. You can see her,
0: like, looking around and being like, What?
1: (laughs) Nancy's like, Why are you interested? And he's like, Because
0: you are. (laughs) There's one thing I know. It's that I don't know what I'm doing, and you do. So you stop doing what you're doing.
1: Nancy wondered how she was going to get rid of the man. She was a bit puzzled by his attitude. On the one hand, he seemed genuinely interested in keeping the local taxes and those of surrounding communities from being raised. Nice. On the other hand...
0: He was a wackadoo.
1: <laughs> Basically, right? Like,
0: and it's not mutually exclusive,
1: Nancy. <laughs> On the other hand, the very fact that he had learned she was interested in examining the old stage coach. Could even mean he knew the hijackers.
0: This is like the first person Nancy has ever met with good intentions who does criminal things. So on the one hand, (laughs) what he wants isn't evil, but on the other hand, he may have crimed?
1: So then, an idea came to Nancy.
0: I love this. And
1: she decided on a bold move. Looking directly at him, she said, Mr. Hillary, you whistle very well. What? The tall, muscular man fell back How do you know that I can? Then he interrupted himself abruptly.
0: I've never whistled in my life.
1: (laughs) Setting his jaw, he said, You never heard me whistle, so what are you talking about? Nancy did not answer. She felt positive that Judd Hillary had given himself away. Usually at this point, Nancy would be like, Oh, he's in on it. Or what is, you know, what are they all up to? Like no, she's just like he's connected to them. She does not truly believe that this man could possibly be dangerous for her in any way at this point. Well, he's just
0: he's just queer. In Judd's mind, he's no doubt playing a complex chess game with this teenage girl. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> so like
0: he's like, that was a good move on her part. But luckily, I caught myself just in time. <laughs> So as to not give myself away, what will my next move be? And meanwhile, Nancy's like, okay, so I have another move. you're an idiot, huh?
1: Because her next move is to tell him exactly what she was up to. She thought it had something valuable. They dissected it. It didn't have anything valuable. One thing that John Hillary is not expecting is for her to just tell the truth.
0: No, he's like, <laughs> I don't understand what we're doing here. Uh, I'll get you.
1: So he can't make up his mind to whether to believe her or not, and then finally he mumbles something to himself,
0: gotta tell my therapist about all this
1: in a louder voice, he said, "I'm warning you again, don't be poking into the business of other people." He got into his truck, started the motor, and jerkily drove away.
0: Yeah, but <laughs> Clutch! the goddamn...
1: Nancy gazed after him wonderingly. <laughs> is that man
0: a cartoon?
1: So he was the whistler, she told herself. That is a clue I'm certainly going to pursue.
0: <laughs> or allow to pursue me.
1: Now it's time for the storm of the book. Bunch of thunder, flashes of lightning, torrents of rain... Mrs. Struck makes them stay inside for the worst of it and then she's like you know it's a dirt road so that means it's a mud road right now you probably shouldn't go today we find out that the place is currently owned by the Zuckers they're a young couple maybe moved there because of Mr. Zucker's health the doctor said to move to a farm now that he's doing better he doesn't know anything about farming and it's just like
0: rocks in the field and salt in the earth like there's no farm in there
1: (laughs) when they get back to the lodge there's an 8 o'clock dinner dance.
0: Where'd this come from? (laughs) Everyone get into your various summer skirts.
1: (laughs) Nancy, Bess, and George also learned that the special group whom they dated, Rick, Jack Smith, and Hobie White. You're
0: like, oh yeah, Net Rick?
1: Uh Oh,
0: so Bert... Hobe. Oh, yeah. so definitely Dave, uh, Jack?
1: Yep. Rick, Jack Smith, and Hobe White had engaged a long table for their group. Mm. The table is just enough room for them, but guess what happens?
0: Two extras would like to sit with them.
1: Yeah. Ross and Audrey pull up some chairs to join them. McTeeth. And there is a showdown. <laughs> Rick scowled, no doubt trying to prove himself to Nancy. He goes up to the couple <laughs> and tells them... There is no place left at this table. Oh, sure there is. Oh, two more won't hurt. Rick does win this battle, and Audrey and Ross do leave. There's no room here for you two strangers.
0: Oh, sure there is. It looks like there's... No, there is
1: not. That's not room
0: for we you. We fit at least two more if there's...
1: No, I said there's no place at this table for you.
0: Yeah, that's how it went. <laughs>
1: Rick scores a private walk in the garden with Nancy at the dance we find out that with one more year of college Rick is going to be a full-fledged engineer which is no easy feat I can hardly wait out wait to get out and start work I mean he is putting out his little peacock feathers He is strutting his stuff for Nancy.
0: He's putting out his feelers about putting a family down.
1: Yeah, but Nancy is having none of it. She has a mystery to solve. Mm -hmm. She and Rick become aware that somebody is walking around in the woods near the garden. Clicking. What is that, Nancy whispered. Rick listened a few seconds and then said in surprise, it sounds like a Geiger counter. Classic. (laughs) They go to investigate. Turns out it's Ross Monteith. Monteith. Oh, Ross cried out, I didn't see you. Have you taken to walking alone in the woods after dark? Rick asked him. No, I have a flashlight, but like I don't. I think that misses the <laughs> point the of point the question. So much. He apparently has a cane, which he's kind of like clicking along on the ground. Ross says he was looking for an earring. They ask him if he heard the clicking sound. He didn't hear it. No, 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 no. But yeah, they decide they don't believe him. Rick suddenly chuckled. Nancy, he said, how about this deduction from a novice that's thing. I think Ross Monteith's cane contains a Geiger counter.
0: That's as good as anything, Rick. I don't know.
1: After dark, he goes around prospecting for valuable minerals. Nancy laughed. Well, your theory is more comforting than having the cane turn out to be a deadly weapon. I
0: guess.
1: We'll see which detective was correct. So Nancy is mighty puzzled. Were the couple just being nuisances? Or was there more to their always trying to be wherever Nancy was? She decided to stay out of the couple's way as much as possible. And she's gonna warn Bess and George not to say anything in front of them? This is not Bess and George's first case, and they very clearly hate them on teeth.
0: Hey guys, just so you know, don't invite the Monteiths anywhere. Yeah, we hate them. (laughs) We got it.
1: They call this a campaign of secrecy. (laughs) They're gonna make it hard for Ross and Audrey to spy on them.
0: Nancy goes so far as to move her car to an auxiliary (laughs) parking spot.
1: (laughs) They haven't really done anything, Nancy admits, but I think it would be just as well to throw them off our trail if possible. Because I hate them. It sure would, said
0: George. (laughs) Because I hate them too. George
1: doesn't Need a reason. Yeah. <laughs> That's the difference. Yeah. Bess suddenly giggled. This is like playing hare and hounds in reverse. Usually we're the hounds. This time we're the hares. <laughs> Which is so dumb, but like not a lot dumber than when Carson Drew explained that he had played hare and hounds.
0: A <laughs> wholly unnecessary metaphor.
1: <laughs> it's a confusing area that they're driving along, but they do find the road.
0: Or so they think another red herring
1: (laughs) the rocks are just pounding on the bottom of their car yeah the
0: road keeps getting worse (laughs) until they're literally driving through grass as high as a cornfield
1: george declared it was like driving through a wheat field and the girls were joggled (sighs)
0: so hard
1: side to side that they thought
0: the springs would break in the car like this isn't you cannot say this is a road anymore Somehow you found yourself back on the same steep cliffside that you broke your ankles on earlier.
1: Well, Nancy says, I agree with you, but I can't turn around here.
0: I'll just go a little (laughs) further.
1: I'd have to go until I come to a wider spot because the edges of the road are just mud. Eventually she does have to figure out a way to turn around because they come upon a big sign that says, United States government property, keep out. Buzz, they certainly don't want any visitors here this must be an experimental station of some kind i think it's and, an alien cover up and
0: really that is true that the only possible thing that it must be <laughs> an inch at a time nancy drew turns her car around
1: Bess is like well now what do we do there is no road nancy's like no i think we just got the wrong one
0: <laughs> it's a red herring
1: Well, she says, I hope that the real road isn't as bad as this one. I'd better stop talking or I'll bite my tongue. But no sooner had Bess said this when the car stopped abruptly and the engine just died. Goodness, what's the matter? Bess asked. Nancy's eyes had darted to the fuel tank. It's empty. Completely empty.
0: I was so pissed at first. I was like, honestly, guys...
1: But George is like, you just had the tank filled while we were in Francisville. It turns out.
0: And I thought maybe sabotage at first?
1: No, just one of those big rocks. Pierced
0: Uh, the gas canister on the bottom of the car.
1: And all our gas is gone, Bess asks.
0: And luckily we didn't blow up.
1: (laughs) I'm afraid so, Nancy told her. And in fact, they spy a long trail of gasoline on the road behind them. This then, is a fine predicament, said Bess. Here we are in the middle of nowhere. What are we going to do? Just that she glanced up and, and gave one a splitting <laughs> scream. It's a large black bear. Now, recently, I was in Minnesota, and I walked outside at night to use the outhouse. There was no running water.
0: It was very Nancy of us.
1: There had been a large black dog. So, long story short, I saw a black bear, and I thought... It was just this dog? And I was like, that's weird. They somehow left their dog here. And I only after going in the house and establishing that was in no way that dog, did I finally think about it and go, wow, that dog was kind of a weird one. (laughs) And it was running weird. And I looked up like videos of black bears and yup, that's exactly how (laughs) this dog was. So that's my encounter with a black bear. But Apparently this black bear bared its teeth, loped towards them, and basically trapped them into their car.
0: Second Cujo of the book.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I hope he won't get nasty and break the windows, said Bess, frightened her voice.
0: I it, We were lucky that the bear either was so far away or loped so...
1: Slowly. <laughs> sludgily,
0: yeah. So slowly that they were able to put the roof up and roll the window. They didn't just have to get in and lock the doors. They had to fortify.
1: We're virtually prisoners, said George. We might be here for days. Oh, uh, Nancy chuckled. The bear is bound to get hungry at some time and go off looking for food.
0: Besides, it's got a collar on it. <laughs>
1: but Bess says he'd probably find us a good meal. Don't be silly, George chided. Bears like honey and green things.
0: Not exclusively, but that's true.
1: Bess was unconvinced. Well, even if he didn't eat us, he could maul us to death. But Nancy deduces that he has escaped from someplace. George asks, You mean he's lonesome and wants to crawl in here with us? She pretends to open the door, freaking Bess out. I
0: love that. I love <laughs> that George reaches for that handle. I would do
1: that. See, she does have a good sense of yeah. humor. It's mean. the
0: is like, what the hell are
1: you doing? <laughs> so Nancy decides to honk the horn, so whoever's looking for this bear will find it. So this guy walks up in a white shirt, riding breeches and putties. His name is Harold Henderson, and that's his bear. He brings it around to different county fairs. Harold Henderson says, thanks for sounding the horn. Nancy grinned back. I'm afraid we had a double reason for doing so. <laughs>
0: Oopsie whoopsie. So
1: basically Harold Henderson brings his bear back to his truck first but then comes back with putty and gasoline. So the girls go to Francisville. The car gets fixed. It is a good picture though with the bear.
0: For whatever reason the book we read had the pictures appear a good page and a half before the thing happened. Oh yeah. So I got to see Bess Uh floating towards the wheel way before I knew how she got in there. Yeah. And I also turned the page and there's just a bear there. I'm it's like, what? Yeah,
1: it was very, yeah. It was
0: very disconcerting.
1: (laughs) Uh Well, says Bess, stating the obvious that is always true. We're just plain lucky. I hope that we'll be as lucky finding the Zucker farm.
0: And they kind of are.
1: Are you looking for us, the Zuckers? Ah, Oh, we're the Zuckers. (laughs) When we moved here, the place had been thoroughly cleaned out. But you're welcome to look
0: around. They're they're nice folks. They're poor. And they are as excited as the girls are to participate in this mystery. I got the feeling from them that they were lonely. It's very like when you have a kid and the first time you see an adult person, you're like, I, please give me adult conversation.
1: So Nancy says, I'd like to search your buildings. Yeah. Right? They start with like the barn and that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Nothing's there. So then they go to the blacksmith shop. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and nothing, you know, they're looking around there. We get another lesson in what life would have been like. Back in the day, and at some point in the middle of explaining how a blacksmith shop works, yeah, Marjorie smiled. I guess that's how the saying started: "A man works from sun to sun." When I looked up that quote, hoping yeah. to get more context, okay, the full quote I found was: "A man works from sun to sun. A woman's work is never done."
0: I don't know. She might not know how to use <laughs> phrases
1: correctly. <laughs> I guess not. Nobody questions <laughs> it's, it, though.
0: You know, it's like yeah. I, I guess maybe that's why they say that miss Zucker.
1: oh i just thought of something says mr zucker when i bought this farm i had the title thoroughly searched and abner Langstreet street was never an owner
0: <laughs> you know it just occurred to me that you're wasting your time
1: <laughs> apparently though but not at all nancy decides that abner must have rented by this point nancy trusts zuckers and decides to tell them what's going on
0: they're good folks they're not sophisticated but they don't pretend to be
1: i'm highly interested in this thing myself now says mr zucker A missing stagecoach he looked quizzically at nancy what will they
0: think of next
1: you didn't say so but i figure there must be something valuable hidden in
0: it i'll never tell says nancy
1: suspect there may be nancy confessed but did not explain further they still find nothing. Nancy asks if she can look under the rugs. Sure, go ahead. I wish you luck, says Mrs. Zucker. Nothing under the rugs, but Nancy finds a loose floorboard. And sure enough, underneath that loose floorboard is the payload. It is a bunch of papers, signed Abner Langstreet on the back, but crucially, also on the back of these, It says things like, First burial today. Second burial today. To the onlooker's amazement, the same phrase kept coming with different numbers.
0: This Abner fellow was nuts. If you write on a piece of paper third burial today
1: yeah what do you think people are gonna think
0: without context it does sound like he's burying people but it also is unclear how he's cataloging it at all
1: i mean these are the works of a serial killer so mrs zucker is worried
0: this is a cemetery that, that they
1: live on basically <laughs> they are living in a cemetery <laughs> mr zucker puts his arm around his wife and says i am sure if there is a burial ground on this property it was not for human beings
0: <laughs> Don't worry, it's probably just a pet cemetery.
1: They're invited back anytime.
0: Mr. Zucker says, and while you're gone, I'm gonna keep looking. Interestingly, he is allowed to continue the mystery. Nancy has decided that it's not a pet cemetery. It's not a human cemetery. Each of these burials is a portion of a stagecoach. She believes that Abner dissected his own stagecoach
1: and buried each piece
0: like a squirrel in the winter
1: (laughs) that would explain why it disappeared and Bess and George are confused because they're like doesn't that mean we're just going to be digging up rotted wood it should but Nancy is sure that he loved this stagecoach so much
0: probably shrink wrapped it
1: he made sure to preserve it somehow
0: so many stagecoach coffins
1: Bess says, that doesn't really make sense. How would none of it been found this whole time? Which Bess ends up right.
0: Yeah, it turns out if you farm farmland, you find things buried on the farmland.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so they have to specifically stick to, like, the woods. Yeah. But it turns out woods have like roots. Bess asked if Nancy was going to dig up the Zucker farm trying to find the stagecoach. I may, the young sleuth replied, but even if we find the coach, the clue in it may not be of any value to the town of Francisville. (laughs) These Zuckers, if the stagecoach is found on their property, (gasps) might, by rights,
0: own the stagecoach. Own the stagecoach. (laughs) Yeah, and the morality, once again, of who deserves what in the Nancy Drew universe, mostly falls to, who did Nancy talk to first?
1: Bess and George groaned, why Mrs. Struck would be heartbroken.
0: Yeah, I guess.
1: Yes, I'm afraid she would, Nancy replied, but we'll have to, she cried out. The car wheel had been almost wrenched from her hand by a sudden, violent tremor of the ground. This was accompanied by an explosion not far away. (sighs) It's an earthquake! Bess cried out as Nancy swerved her car to keep it from going into a ditch. Please, let's stop and get out! Which they do, but there's no further tremor. There must have been blasting someplace near here, Torch remarked. Sure enough, they drive down the road. About half a mile in, they find a crowd of people gathering near a bomb site. And
0: this is where we go from stagecoach robbery. <laughs> To terrorism.
1: <laughs> and, and one wonders if John has seriously become radicalized.
0: <laughs>
1: As they arrive on the scene, an irate man says this little gem. Folks have no business using dynamite or bombs without permission. <laughs> and I happen to know that not a soul applied for a license to do this.
0: The hell? What the hell? <laughs> Someone check with the permit office. <laughs> Am I angry about this or not?
1: Nancy concludes, since this is near one of the housing developments, that it might have been a bomb scare to get people to move out.
0: Literally domestic terrorism.
1: You mean, said George in a low voice, that somebody like Judd Hillary or one of his backers might have done it? (laughs) I'm not making any accusations, Nancy replied, but I think it would be a good idea if we keep our eyes open for suspicious-looking persons.
0: (laughs) I'm really slow to accuse, says Nancy, but look for someone who's weird.
1: (laughs) As they look over the edge of this cave-in, who should they see but Judd Hillary? (laughs) Now maybe this'll drive some of those newcomers away, he was saying. Bess winked at Nancy, who walked up to the man.
0: (laughs) Best explosion I've seen in days.
1: (laughs) 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 Mr. Hillary, just why are you against progress in this community? She asked. The effing nerve of Nancy here.
0: Nancy has taken her her side, and her side is on the side of refurbishing ghost towns, housing developments, and higher taxes.
1: The man became livid with rage.
0: Livid with rage (laughs) makes me happy with glee. I was curious with wonder if you had enjoyed that as much as I did.
1: You already know the answer, and besides, you don't belong around here. Why don't you get out and stop snooping? This crude remark Mm Mm-hmm angered Nancy. No, I don't live here, she said, but I do have a lot of sympathy for people who are in danger. Yes, George broke in. Instead of feeling relieved that no one was hurt by the explosion, you seem delighted that it happened. You say you don't want newcomers here because of higher taxes, but there are some people who think you have other reasons for keeping them out, which you're not telling. (laughs) What? John Hillary fell back as if he had been stunned. He seemed at a loss for an answer and a frightened look had come over his face. But he recovered quickly. Throwing back his head, he said disdainfully, You got no business talking like that! I don't have to say anymore! Your friend here has had a couple of warnings. Now I'll give you one: Leave this place before you get hurt. And at that moment, two men stepped forward and took hold of Judd Hillary's arms
0: carried him away.
1: As they began telling him that this was no way to talk to young ladies who were spending a vacation in the neighborhood, Nancy whispered to her friends to follow her. So Nancy wants to go look for the two hijackers, which she assumes must be in on this.
0: When I was lucky enough... Will visit Barcelona. It's a tourist town in many ways, and that brings in a lot of money. But what was really funny was the amount of graffiti I saw that said tourists go home. Because mm-hmm. some people don't want to live in a tourist town, and that's very much what I'm seeing here. It's so funny. Chud's like, I do not want city slickers coming around here in my home, and everyone else is like, They're bringing in business, buddy.
1: Nancy was about to give up on finding the hijackers. And I just noticed how many times Nancy almost gives up in this book. George, however, does spot them running away. They're not able to catch them. The officers announced that everyone who could not give them any clue as to who had caused the explosion was to leave. I guess that includes us, says Bess. But Nancy says, no, I think they want to hear our rumors and, and, and conjectures and hearsay. I'll report this to the chief. I heard about the stagecoach hijacking. You may have a good clue this time, too. When they get to Mrs. Struck's house, Mrs. Struck was also struck by the earthquake struck and was is- Struck 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 pretty dismayed.
0: Yeah, a bunch of her shit broke. Like,
1: a lot of priceless items that she had in her dining room. The girls expressed their sympathy and George added practically. I'm glad it wasn't you Mrs. Struck, who fell and was injured. <laughs> Nancy shows her the journal entries that they have found, carefully not showing her yet the backs of the paper. <laughs> Nancy compares the signature to signatures that Mrs. Struck has in her possession and it's an exact match. No doubt. Nancy, the handwriting expert strikes again when the elderly woman finally does read the messages on the back she gives an involuntary shudder what do you think they mean
0: (laughs) oh abner was always killing and burying
1: Well, there's some bad news to tell Mrs. Struck. She might not be the owner of this stagecoach. Nancy says, well, where else might Abner have gone that the family owned the property? Well, basically all the property was apparently owned by his grandfather.
0: Can we narrow it down by what would be most convenient? No problem. (laughs) Only three of those properties are still owned by family. We'll check the convenient ones.
1: On the way back to Camp Merriweather, Nancy was unusually silent and serious. Bess and George chatted, but Nancy did not offer a word of conversation. When the three girls reached their rooms, Bess closed the door between them. Nancy was so intent with her thoughts that she did not notice. Well, Bess has a plan. And George likes this plan. She says, "Swell, we'll do it.
0: George is really proving her comedic chops in these books, as you're about to see.
1: In her own room, Nancy is automatically getting ready for dinner. And then, like you do after you get in your dress, she just lays down in her bed thinking about the mystery.
0: If it was me, I'd be doom-scrolling TikTok, but she's just thinking about the mystery.
1: (laughs) I hate to admit it, but it has me stymied at the moment she told herself. (laughs)
0: Luckily, just then...
1: There's a knock at the door. Nancy called out, come in, and the door swung wide. Nancy's eyes popped in surprise. Then she burst into laughter.
0: It's the Merryweather Camp Clowns!
1: In walked Bess and George.
0: Apparently Ross and Audrey dress in a fashion that is fairly easily recreated.
1: Bess as Audrey had her hair pulled high and tight on top of her head with a mop of curls at the crown. She wore an extremely tight-fitting sports dress of George's. Her cheeks and lips were very artificially red, and her fingernails looked as if they had been Dipped in garnet paint. She swaggered in on her extremely high heeled
0: shoes. George's
1: outfit was even funnier. How Carl. What
0: could be funnier than a big woman in a small shirt?
1: Well, I'll tell you, she wore baggy slacks, which belonged to Bess. A white shirt, and a very loud sports jacket borrowed from Jack Smith. How did she get that jacket so quickly? She swung a cane and kept blinking her eyes at nothing. Exactly the way Ross Monteith did when he was assuming an affected pose.
0: Also, why Jack has an ugly jacket already, I don't know.
1: Well, he wears it ironically.
0: <laughs> oh, well, he's cool, wow.
1: It is interesting because we're not given a description of these characters until, until this. Until this, yeah. And it's like, okay, the bad makeup, that's probably all it took for Bess to not like her.
0: What it takes is for two people of different sizes to switch clothes.
1: And this is where I assume that it's just a southern drawl that's like the affected speech. Beg pardon, Nancy, said Mr. Monteith, but I'd be jolly pleased if you would tell me your plans for the evening.
0: That's pretty good.
1: Oh, yes, added Mrs. Monteith. Rossi and I don't like secrets. We'd prefer being with you wherever you go.
0: So this works immediately to cheer Nancy up. Nancy
1: is giggling merrily.
0: But never one to not be focused on who might be on the other side of any given door. She hears that there may be eavesdroppers on this gaiety
1: first what she does is close the door bass and george had left open apparently yes (laughs) like maybe we don't want them to know we're making (laughs) and then there's this further like joking about stealing nancy's earrings
0: yeah the idea like can i borrow your earrings and i probably wouldn't give them back But I guess that's just because she's not classy.
1: But then Nancy hears a a sound at the door. She tiptoed across the room and yanked the door open. And who should be there but Ross and Audrey Monteith. Now begins a stare down of epic proportions. It becomes very clear that best George and Nancy are not going to explain whatever shenanigans they're up to. (laughs)
0: Ross raises his right hand. George raises her left hand in a mirror. And, oh.
1: Yeah, they're just like not gonna tell them.
0: And they were there and they really are like, oh, this is what uh huh. Wh- what's uh and it's like, uh, bye.
1: If the Monteiths had heard themselves being ridiculed, Nancy and her friends hoped it would be a good lesson to them.
0: <laughs> Maybe. If you didn't want us to make fun of you, you shouldn't have sucked so bad. <laughs>
1: when the callers realized that they were not going to be told what was going on, they changed the subject. Oh, well, we came here to ask you to help us get a hay rack ride going. Nancy's pretty much like, that sounds fun, but no thanks. No.
0: No. no not at all.
1: I have so many things to do. I don't know which ones to do first. And she just kind of trails off in the middle of, like, listing things that you can do There's at this camp.
0: swimming, tennis, horses. Horseback,
1: right? So George decides this anywhere. is an Opportunity time to get rid of the visitors she looks at her wristwatch <laughs> In that classic move and says, my goodness, Bess, we better change. Oh, but Audrey is clever. She says, Nancy, you're not needed for Bess and George to change. Audrey and Ross sit down in Nancy's room, which was not to Nancy's liking.
0: That is a bit forward, I suppose. (laughs) Especially when you're two 30-year-olds in an 18-year-old's room.
1: Nancy looked directly at Audrey Monteith. I really must ask you to leave, she said firmly.
0: She next leaves her room. And they're like, well, we can't stay. So they walk out of the room, too, as if to follow her. And then she goes uh, back in her room.
1: Well, just then, George brings in a letter from Ned Nickerson.
0: (gasps) Not a telegram, though.
1: As it turns out, Ned, Dave, and Bert will be arriving in a few days.
0: No, you mean Rick, Jack, and Hope. No. What?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bert and Dave are just possibilities, but Ned for sure. Oh, yeah. Nancy was delighted. Bess blushes a little and then says, yum, that's super news.
0: Yum, indeed.
1: (laughs) And George added, it sure is, but Nancy, what are you going to do about Rick? Now, first of all, George, what are you going to do about Hope Why?
0: George has an open thing that's different that's different that is very clingy.
1: Nancy pretended to look worried.
0: Uh oh. This is
1: crucial. Like, she doesn't get worried at all.
0: Not a moment of it.
1: Some situations just solve themselves, she says. I think at this point, she doesn't know which one she wants more, and she just thinks they're going to fight. Yeah, I don't And she, one she, of them she's will die. Basically,
0: like, I don't know. I can friggin' fight about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> how is it my, my problem? How is it my business who wins?
1: <laughs> they're both
0: pretty okay at sleuthing. I don't know what to tell you. Well, and the you funny know, thing is, it does solve itself. Because but everything
1: does in it her is, life. Yeah,
0: it is through no action of hers.
1: Yeah. So Nancy, George asks, what do you think the Monteiths are up to? The girl detective admitted that she was completely puzzled. How do they know? So Nancy has a clever idea in her head. Instead of getting stalked constantly by the Monteiths, what if... We stalk them. We shadow those two for a change. Hypers,
0: said George. Hypers? Have we heard that before?
1: They decide now to take Rick, Jack, and Hobe into their confidence. And ask them to help with this spying mission.
0: For now, till other boys get here.
1: So they make a big show of being so excited about the orchestra that night that they are not going anywhere. They are just going to listen to that orchestra until the very last minute.
0: I sure can't wait not to do any mystery tonight.
1: Meanwhile, Audrey and Ross were being elusive, darting in and out of the hotel among the dancers and even into the woods beyond. <laughs> I don't like darting. Like I don't like to see them. And they're darting. not
0: even—they're not even doing it together, I <laughs> guess. Yeah. <laughs> Oh,
1: oh, oh, oh. I'm sure they're planning something, George remarked. Rick and Nancy chase after Audrey and Ross. <laughs> they end up at the bomb site. Mm-hmm. They don't know what the Monteiths are doing. They don't know who they're with. They can't see. They can't hear any of the conversation. The reason this scene is important is at some point...
0: There's a cave-in.
1: There's a cave-in and the man leaves Ross and Audrey face down in the dirt.
0: For dead. For
1: dead. And but they're of knocked course, out
0: from the cave-in somehow
1: heroic Rick and Nancy at risk of their own health and well-being go down into the cave in rescue Ross and Audrey bring them back up make sure their pulse is okay
0: and heroically leave them lying unconscious on the side of a cave in
1: yeah conveniently they haven't woken up but it is established they will
0: wake up having been saved and have to go through the rest of the book knowing someone was there to save them but it wasn't anyone of their criminal enterprise and like what does that mean. That doesn't help us solve the mystery. The
1: young sleuth tried to convince herself that she had done her part but the thought kept recurring to her that perhaps she should get in touch with the authorities again. I'll do it the first chance I have, Nancy told herself.
0: And she didn't.
1: Rick and Nancy sneak into the hotel, clean up. They could have done anything with that time.
0: Yeah, these kids aren't well chaperoned. Not
1: well chaperoned at all in this one. At the dance, between numbers, they updated the rest of the group. And
0: then there was a cave-in and by the time it stopped they were all
1: (laughs) George has a plan she says Ross and Audrey must certainly wonder who rescued them yeah I guess why don't you tell them and then maybe they'll be caught off guard and spill the truth about their plans
0: Because I did that already in this book. On Judd, it doesn't happen twice.
1: I'm sure they'll never do it, Nancy told her friends. And I can see a great advantage in leaving the whole thing mysterious. Bess gave a little giggle. I'd hate to be in their shoes. Boy, would I be
0: worried. Thank you, Bess. Very good point. (laughs) That is what happened.
1: Nancy grinned. That's just what I'm counting on.
0: Guys, if there's an open window anywhere near here, we need to stop talking about all this.
1: So Nancy's hope is that they're going to all end up fighting about it. Because, like, maybe one of them saw the other guy.
0: Maybe they did.
1: Doesn't sound like they were the best of friends to begin with. Yeah. This group is not really a group.
0: This is a ragtag kind of assemblage.
1: These are no double scorps. No. (laughs) Live,
0: die, uh, double scorps.
1: (laughs) (laughs) When they arrive to talk to Mrs. Pauling, mm-hmm. she gives them homemade toasted cinnamon bread Ooh. and cocoa. That's I am tough. so into cinnamon bread right now. Yeah, Like, right? it is... I, I think there's once every spring and once every fall that that's all I want for When it's breakfast. cold out, I
0: want that cinnamon.
1: And this is when we find out Mrs. Pauling will definitely pay... Yes. ...for everything. Except so now, for the school. Now they go to the Zuckers. The baby is in its playpen asleep, so the Zuckers can help them. They dig a lot <laughs> while digging up... Under a tree the branches start to fall. Bess cries out to warn George who she's finally learned to listen to Bess, and meanwhile Nancy saves the baby's life.
0: Oh I guess and I didn't even realize how this happened they brought the playpen out into the woods. Yeah
1: every time they would go dig somewhere they bring the baby's playpen with them.
0: Mr. Zucker admits to being a terrible landkeeper. keeper when they have lunch while they're doing this Mr. Zucker sees that they brought their own lunch from the camp. Yeah. So he goes home to eat. They're having a picnic and and he's like, oh, okay, well, I'll be back later.
1: It's roast beef sandwiches, tomatoes, Oh, good. and cake.
0: Hope, have you ever had ants at your picnic? No. Because you never had cake. If you don't have cake, it's not a real picnic.
1: I seem to remember ants carrying off like watermelons.
0: Yeah, but only because there was also a cake there. <laughs> Come on
1: bus is thrilled they have discovered finally a wheel they start to dig out more and more parts mystery's about to be solved she can just go back to swimming
0: now one thing to remember is in the 1800s they designed a lot of these things there some of them were stagecoaches some of them were not but they were all red herrings
1: yeah it's a red herring it's just an old wagon it's an
0: old wagon
1: That was just left to rot there.
0: (laughs) We found garbage.
1: (laughs) This is just awful, Bess said, flopping to this ground. All this work and nothing but a busted old wagon. It makes it clear that Bess takes it the hardest of everyone. And I wonder if that's like to indicate her emotionality or if it's because she's the one who thought she had discovered it and she's like, yes, for once, I am the hero. I dug up the first piece, I did this. Yeah. She votes to quit digging right now, especially since if they start digging, they might find the bones of the horses that went with this wagon.
0: Which is crazy. (laughs) I'm sure it was just paper mache.
1: Morton says that probably is a good idea to stop digging for the day, but he's going to keep digging without them. Nancy was very weary herself from the arduous work and did not argue about stopping. (laughs) Mrs. Zucker gives them glasses of cold milk. Mrs. Zucker informs them that while they were out digging, a man and woman came looking for them.
0: Oh, God. From the
1: description, it is clear that this is Mr. and Mrs. Monteith.
0: I think just from the description, people were looking for you.
1: Apparently, the Monteiths are now claiming they are relatives of Abnerling Street. Bess says that she doesn't like it at all. Fair enough. I don't either, Nancy agreed. And George has a more pragmatic approach. When we get home, said George, her jaw set firmly, I'm gonna have it out with Ross and Audrey Monteith. They're a pain, and besides, I can't take being followed any longer.
0: Let's just be practical and punch these guys.
1: Nancy tried to dissuade her friend. Yeah. She thinks that Ross and Audrey might then go into hiding, and she would rather be able to follow them.
0: Ironically, they're about to do just that.
1: All right, George finally conceded, but it certainly burns me up having them act the way they do.
0: I'm so sore about it.
1: It is interesting in the context of George being the boyish one, that this is a behavior we've usually seen from, like, Ned. hmm When they get home, sad news is presented to them by Rick Larrabee and his friends. First of all, the Monteiths have checked out of Camp Merryweather. No! They have, in fact, gone into hiding at this point, And the boys were all fixed on doing some sleuthing.
0: <sighs> Dang it.
1: But second of all, second bad news, Rick Larrabee's father is very ill.
0: Carson? No. Oh, Rick's father. Yeah, that's fine.
1: And the upshot of all this is Rick has to leave and hopes his ride. And I guess Jack's going along.
0: And Jack doesn't want to be here anymore.
1: So the boys are leaving, basically. And this once is again, <laughs> the
0: universe sorts it out.
1: Yeah! These things have a way of working themselves out. And we never find out anything more. Those boys are gone.
0: When the new boys and the old boys were about to intersect, the universe struck down Rick Larrabee's father (laughs) that they would not have to deal with it.
1: Now, the Monteiths did leave an address of the next hotel that they'll be staying at in New York, which is weird to the boys because... They'd never
0: gotten mail in the whole two weeks they were here. Oh, just like a false trail type thing? Yeah,
1: another red herring. Silly. What about their car license, Bess asked? Wouldn't that give them away if they're in the area?
0: Well, we've got an answer for that, too.
1: Well, Nancy says, when I phoned the police this morning, they said that that car is actually registered to Frank Templar. Now, was Frank Templar somebody that Ross stole or borrowed the car from?
0: Somebody that he used to know?
1: Or was it an alias of his? (gasps) Or was it his actual name? As the boys drive away, which is immediate after this conversation. George remarked, They're three nice fellows.
0: And they were never seen nor heard from again.
1: Bess says, I'm sure glad the boys are coming as everything's getting so dangerous. And Nancy says, laughing, Danger or no danger, I'm glad they're coming too. (laughs) The young sleuth sat in deep thought for some time.
0: Nancy, stop thinking so hard.
1: But suddenly, her puzzled mood changed. Wait a minute i know what i'll do of course i'll call dad he'll give me some good advice there it is oh yeah carson drew does exist (laughs) when nancy decided to go on vacation carson decided to stay at the club hannah
0: is visiting the actual family not just her surrogate family
1: club culture in the 1950s bewilders me
0: (laughs) Club culture means a lot different then than it does now.
1: Is that their like timeshare? Well, says a deep sounding voice on the other end of the phone Hello, Nancy dear. I'm so glad you were in, Dad. I'm full of problems and I need your advice. (laughs) That's me constantly.
0: How are you doing? Well, I'm full of problems.
1: Shall I have my dinner set here and eat it while you talk, he teased. Ew. This is a the reason they don't say Carson has a good sense of humor. <laughs> he insists that before she tells him about the mystery, she has to tell him how she's doing. To which she says she's feeling fine and then launches into the mystery.
0: Fine, fine, fine. Here are the problems.
1: <laughs> well, you certainly have been busy and the mystery sounds like a most intriguing one.
0: Interesting.
1: Well, says Nancy, am I on the right track? I'd say you are, and I think your surmises so far have probably been correct. So go on with your digging operations. But, if I were you, before I did any more digging, I'd try to find out who the former owners or tenants of the Zucker property were. Oh, yeah. Perhaps they can give you some clue as to where the stagecoach might have been
0: buried. Yeah, that's a good idea, huh?
1: I knew you'd tell me exactly the right thing to do. I'll ask the Zuckers, and if they don't know, I'll go to the courthouse and look at the records. Yeah. Furthermore, in this conversation, Mr. Drew hooks her up with a lawyer in the area that can help her get that information as well. Carson says he's in deep problems of his own, on his own case, back home. Fully wondered if it was going to end up related, but it did yeah, not. Yeah, yeah. And he admits he's he's getting lonesome. Oh. Poor, poor dad. Poor dad.
0: Dad doesn't have any friends.
1: <laughs> Nancy promises to wrap it up quick when she meets Bess and George at dinner. Both cousins remarked that Nancy seemed very refreshed and gay. I
0: yeah, talked to Dad.
1: Chuckling, she told them why. Nancy is now getting her feeling that we're we're near the end of this. And I am also getting that feeling looking at the page number. Yeah. They're sent to talk to an old man. Sure. A, at a retirement home. A guy who used to own some land. A widow. And this poor guy, as many elderly are, is extremely lonely.
0: Friends?
1: And he's just telling them story after story, and none Boy, of it has any to they do unhelpful. with anything they need. And they're finally like, like we gotta go. And he's like, but I have more stories. And they're uh-huh. like, no, we really have to go. And they have to be firm and leave this poor old guy. It's very sad. I
0: wish they had just sent the Monteiths to this guy.
1: <laughs> I'm not learning anything about the stagecoach Nancy thought.
0: Oh i know is about this old man's life now (laughs) and his wisdom and stuff
1: nancy has the tact at the woman's house to apologize for bringing up her dead husband (laughs) before she launches in
0: so your dead husband sorry so your dead husband
1: The woman is sure there's nothing buried on her property.
0: My dead husband was always out there digging.
1: So they're about to leave when the woman says, you're the second person within 24 hours to come inquiring about the Zucker property.
0: I love that she says within 24 hours because I would find that odd even if it was in the same week. Yeah. Like. Or ever. Ever.
1: Yeah. She's been talking to none other than Frank Templar. (gasps) The Monteiths. (laughs) And the description fits Ross Monteith. She finally gets in touch with a young lawyer. Carson Drew hooks her up with a young lawyer, Art Warner. She's very excited to go see him. But first, Bess and George convince Nancy, through guilt mainly.
0: To go for a
1: water waltz. Yep, they have to try out for a water ballet. So they go to the tryouts ask if they can swim together they waltz across the pool and then a jaunty tune comes on a fast number
0: oh i bet that impish george has an idea
1: <laughs> impishly george said to her friends let's put on a comedy act
0: comedy water waltzing
1: okay nancy and Bess agreed they dived beneath one another.
0: That's not really funny.
1: As if barely missing a crash.
0: Oh, that's funny.
1: Reared up out of the water. <laughs> uh huh. Made comical faces.
0: <laughs>
1: and disappeared beneath the surface.
0: Certainly not in tune to the music.
1: All in time with the music. The crowd goes wild. I mean, yeah. They clapped and shouted. Pretty neat, called out a red-haired boy. At the end, there was no question, but three girls from River Heights were among those chosen for the water ballet. Just then, Nancy gets a phone call from her good friend, Audrey Monteith. How about meeting us at a farmhouse tomorrow and then we'll bring you to lunch? No. It describes Nancy on the phone as talking with frigid politeness.
0: Yeah, basically Nancy's like, "Uh, uh, so this is a trap, but I want to know why it's a trap.
1: So let's go get trapped. let's
0: go get trapped, I guess.
1: I love also that Audrey claims the reason they left the camp is the food was awful.
0: I've just had indigestion for weeks. And
1: now you know why we never heard about any of the meals at the camp.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Nancy and the gals enjoyed a delicious meal of mystery meat.
1: So Nancy is playing hard to get and is like, I'm not going to come to this farmhouse. And Audrey's like, why? I'm surprised. I didn't think you ever turned down a chance to solve a mystery.
0: Especially if I double dog dare you.
1: And this is a pretty keen one. Nancy takes the bait. They decide to sit with their backs to each other so they're each looking a different direction. So smart. They had also called the police previously so the police are hidden about the property. They
0: promised they would be in the woods.
1: Really well hidden and we never find out if they were actually hidden or were knocked out.
0: Yep, that's what the police do.
1: Of course the Monteiths are late. After a while there's an explosion.
0: Barn explodes. Showers the car in debris. No cops come out of the woods.
1: They fled in terror as if this was an act of terrorism.
0: And certainly it was.
1: I wonder what happened to the police, George said. Seems like they'd come out of hiding now. No, they're pros. Bess is worried they got killed. Nancy's like, nah, they're fine. Let's not even go check. Can we please leave? There's no (laughs) mystery
0: here, I can tell.
1: It's determined that it wasn't a trap in the traditional sense. It's just a distraction so the Monteiths can do something somewhere else. But the twist is, were the Monteiths trying to blow them up as well? Hard we don't we know. That, or was someone else? Well, time to go visit a young lawyer named Art.
0: And now is my favorite appearance of my favorite villain.
1: Nancy goes strolling into the waiting room of the lawyer's office.
0: And sees Judd Hillary.
1: You came here to see Mr. Warner? Well, you can't do it, Nancy Drew. I got a previous appointment and it'll take several hours.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's just so petty and funny.
1: (laughs) Yeah, all the things that have been done to Nancy. And this one's just like, haha, you'll have to wait for hours.
0: Ah, whatever you're doing, I'm going to make it worse.
1: Nancy decides to whisper so Judd Hillary can't overhear her. So the entire conversation between her and Art Warner is whispered. A lot of what gets talked about, in fact, is Judd Hillary.
0: Yeah, She's just warning Art about this guy. Mm -hmm. And she goes, I don't suppose, like, is it lawyer confidentiality if what he says to you? Mm -hmm. And Art's like, nah.
1: Yeah, later she finds out Judd didn't stay very long talking to Art Warner and had some innocuous question uh, unrelated to the case. She's
0: like, what are the ways that I can keep taxes low?
1: Well, the camp director specifically asks them to do their comedy performance.
0: People loved your silly faces.
1: They have to figure out costumes. George suggests we act like three clowns so i think clown type bathing suits would be appropriate of course Best demurred, I don't mind the suit, she said, but what about our hair and faces? I don't want to wear a frizzy wig and one of those great big red noses.
0: George said, this is my big break. You will do as you're told.
1: So George says to her, basically, yeah, you wouldn't want Dave to see you that way, Mm -hmm. would you? Just then, Best noticed that George was looking past her. She was looking past her at Ned Nickerson, Bert Edelton, and Dave Evans. Hey! Hi, everybody, said the boys and girls almost simultaneously.
0: (laughs) Ready? Hi, Hi, everybody! everybody. Oof.
1: (laughs) Ned grinned. I guess we're just in time to see three beautiful mermaids. Yeah. Go ahead and do your stuff.
0: Yeah, you wish, Ned. You're about to see three bedraggled clowns.
1: Mermaids? We're just a trio of clowns. What do you mean, Dave demanded, mystified? Nancy refused to explain, and none of the boys could learn the answer from either Bess or George. Alright, this
0: is a little too much flirting.
1: You'll know in a few days, George said.
0: And they never would.
1: This is the biggest loose end in this whole book. I want to know how that water waltz went. I want to know whether they wore clown suits. I want to know a lot of things.
0: Were their faces funny?
1: Carl has a very different image of how their dance went than I do.
0: It looks ridiculous.
1: I see it as kind of looking like the old movie The Pirate with Judy Garland, mm-hmm. the Be a Clown scene. Yeah. And I see it as really cool, but...
0: And I think it's dumb. <laughs>
1: Garland thinks it's dumb. I just
0: think the silly faces are maybe not as funny as these 18-year-old girls think.
1: Well, the six young people sit at a picnic table by the pool, sipping lemonade and munching pretzels and nuts, uh, which the camp always served.
0: <laughs> no wonder they left. <laughs>
1: It's not Ned, not food. Here's the details of the case. He whistled in amazement. It's sure a dilly. Sounds as if it has about six parts to it.
0: The dilly of a millie.
1: Lavender's blue, dilly dally, lavender's green, or dilly dilly.
0: I haven't heard it outside of a Dairy Queen. About, oh yeah,
1: there's a dilly, dilly part, bar. Dilly Right? You haven't heard lavender's blue? Uh, maybe. I want to take this opportunity to talk about another word I loved in this book. It's spelled P-I-C-S-E-N-T-L-Y.
0: Pisantly.
1: So I look it up thinking, is it related to Pisces? To Pisces. No. It's not quite spelled that way. It's not a word. It was clearly a typo. There were a lot of typos in this book. Whether it was an I as an exclamation point, HR as he. You pointed out railroad was spelled really weird. Real, real right after Pixantly, context clues made me assume that Pixantly was Presently. Unfortunately, <laughs> but I think it should be a word. Well, that's very Pisent of you. Yeah, Carl's a Pisces. It's his birthday today. <laughs> Yes, it is. Join us in a song for Carl.
0: <laughs> so Bert's like, let's split up. And we're- if there's going to be six parts to a mystery, we might as well split up and take them in pieces.
1: Yes. <laughs>
0: Two at a time, baby.
1: (laughs) That's a great idea, Nancy conceded. But first, you should know what you're up against. What the hell you're talking about? Meet everybody. The next day, they all go to see Mrs. Struck, boys and all. Won't Mrs. Struck be mighty surprised? Share her water. Well, says Nancy, that's weird. Mrs. Struck doesn't usually leave her front door open.
0: Or her house rummaged through. (laughs)
1: Yeah, the place has been ransacked. And you are absolutely correct, reader, that Mrs. Struck, the elderly woman, is bound and gagged That's and weird. left on the bed.
0: Mrs. Strip doesn't usually leave herself bound, gagged, and <laughs> on
1: the <a> bed. <laughs> but of course, she's just fine. We do see that she is tied up with sailor's knots, linking her therefore... To a sailor. To the hijacker. This time the two men who bound and gagged her wore really long gloves. So she doesn't know if there was a masks, I think. On the wrist.
0: Yeah, they finally figured it out.
1: The men said to her, We're not going to fool around. We want a quick answer. What was Ling Street's secret? I mean right to the point, right?
0: We're almost in the book and the villains are like, we're not fooling around. What is going on?
1: How in the world did they find that out, George asks. I have no idea. When I told them I didn't know, they said they'd find out themselves.
0: All right, well, we're we're, we're gonna go figure it out then.
1: She says she doesn't want to go out and see the mess. They say, don't. Just don't. It's really
0: terrible. (laughs) Remember when you lost all your valuables earlier? It's worse.
1: Well, those police took fully an hour to get to the scene. By then, Ned had trailed their footprints... And the kids had staked them out so that they could get molds of the footprints, and they had found a glove, which they, with clips, put into a baggie for the police.
0: Hey guys, did your job for you?
1: As Bess says, aren't you boys clever? And Sergeant Hurley asks the whole group, "Are all of you detectives?" Oh no, the only real detective among us is Nancy Drew.
0: Don't say that; she'll get mad.
1: Bert Edelton spoke up with a grin. But we all go to her training school. Well, I can see that she teaches good courses, the officer said. <laughs> they specifically say they will test the gloves for fingerprints.
0: I don't know how that works. It
1: doesn't work. The inside That's of a glove? Not Is that
0: doable? Doable? <laughs> a thing?
1: That's not a thing. That's not a thing Did at all. cop
0: just want new gloves?
1: I have a feeling this case actually didn't go through because the forensics were so shady. <laughs> but maybe in the 50s. So Nancy answers Mrs. Struck's phone, and surprisingly, she's answered somebody else's phone, and it's actually for her. Wouldn't you know it? Naturally. These things have a way of working out.
0: <laughs> Thank you, universe.
1: Mrs. Pauling has a job for them. Now, there was a group of models coming out to, like, get their pictures taken on the old stagecoach.
0: We have to for, almost be done with this book
1: for a big magazine. But won't these kids do it? Nancy signs them up for it. Don't you love it when your friend like signs you up for a modeling job? The only one who likes this idea at all is Bess. George thinks she's gonna look silly. Doesn't want to does. wear woman's clothing. And the boys think they'll look silly. But since Nancy signed them up, what choice do they have? They all decide. Last so they time go. we had to wear
0: costumes, you put us in tights.
1: They all get dressed up. They do, in fact, look silly as you would. <laughs> apparently George looks especially silly because she has to wear a bonnet so she looks like she has no hair because her hair is so short. Bert never knew he had skinny legs before this costume apparently. Mm-hmm. For some reason George and Bert end up sitting on the top of the stage couch.
0: Yeah, George just clambers up there because she's a tomboy.
1: They all roar with laughter as George tries to climb up to the top of the carriage. In a big
0: hoop dress. <laughs> yeah. They pretty much gotta like shove her up there.
1: Finally, they're all ready and the photographer says, let her roll! So they not only take pictures but then this person has a camera that can take moving pictures and they say, well, is it okay if we take movies now? Okay, yeah. Well, George falls off the <laughs>
0: Specifically because they had to, like, pretend to drive it, and she lost her balance.
1: Yeah, the stagecoach gave a sudden lurch. This is why you don't sit on the top of stagecoaches. George lost her balance and toppled over the side. Bert made a dive for her. He managed to seize George in time to keep her from falling. But this is all caught on film.
0: Also, in the picture we get, George is fully off the carriage (laughs) being held by one arm. (laughs) So, I don't know about just in time.
1: George says, please don't ever show anyone that film, but she's pretty sure the guy's gonna show someone that
0: film. And that is how George learned the kind of important lesson that most girls have to go to LA to get.
1: Don't you dare show it to anybody, George snapped, but she knew from the big tantalizing smile he gave her that he would not accede to her request. (laughs) <laughs> they all go back to the hotel everybody goes to sleep except nancy who just can't sleep she remembered that her father had once told her that reviewing the various details of a case just before going to bed might bring a ready answer in the morning this actually works for me a lot of times i don't solve mysteries but like I for problems never i'm solve having the mysteries problems i'm having papers i have to write podcasts i have to record you're always
0: going to bed looking at mysteries
1: she doesn't even have to wait for the morning. She cracks it. She walks around her room snapping her fingers and smiling. Hey, 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 hey. I
0: hey,
1: wonder hey, hey. if I could possibly be right, she asks out loud. Wouldn't that be lovely? Nancy, aren't you ever going to bed? Bess demanded solicitously. George followed. Why, you're not even undressed. Don't scold, Nancy pleaded. <laughs> I just had an idea that I think may solve the mystery. Please don't scold me. You're always scolding me, George. I can't stand it anymore. Nancy has figured out that all those papers they gathered of Abner's with the weird serial killer shit on the back, they all had, like, little lines. And she figures out to crease the paper in certain ways so those lines form like, an image.
0: Yeah, and she ends up with 50 little folded cranes.
1: You're a genius, Bess exclaimed. That's a railroad semaphore.
0: A semaphore?
1: It sure is, George agreed, but what does it mean? Nancy decides Mr. Lingstreet buried his stagecoach along the railroad tracks near a semaphore. Now all they have to do is figure out where there was family property near a railroad semaphore and go dig there. I'm game, said George, but reminded Nancy that she really had no right to dig on private property. Nancy agrees this is a problem, but what she does is wakes up the lawyer's wife in the middle of the night. Apparently, lawyers stay at town meetings very late. He's at a special meeting.
2: <laughs> He's
1: like, oh, good news. Let me go talk to the town, but I think that I know this. He goes to talk to the town. Yeah, that's that's government-owned property. The town owns that property. Yeah, so you're welcome to dig there.
0: Nancy, sensing we're at the end of the book, is like, I'm not waiting for the morning.
1: Yeah, they all want to wait for the morning. No, we're going to go dig now.
0: Like, yeah, did we all get ready for bed? Sure, but it's not that late.
1: Yeah, they wake up the boys... And Nancy flirts with the night clerk a little bit and gets some tools from him.
0: That's right. Some digging tools. Ned's
1: very impressed that she found them. Where in the world did you get these? Asks Ned. Nancy tossed her head from my friend, the night clerk.
0: So they head out to a government property to dig by the railroad tracks.
1: In the middle of the night.
0: They find a trunk.
1: Boys go around just scuffing their feet on the ground until Ned happens to scuff his feet on a rusty pipe. The pole held the semaphore at one point, is what they decide. So that now they've found the semaphore. Bess, again, is the first person to find a chest. Mm-hmm. See, in the end, I believe there are 20 chests, each containing a stagecoach piece. They're digging up these chests, and no clues are in any of these chests, just parts. Pretty well preserved, though. Nancy was absolutely right. Abner loved his stagecoach. Finally, Nancy opens a chest that has an envelope in it, an unmarked envelope. As she opens it up, she notices a weird smell. And I don't know about you, but when I notice a weird smell, I just hold my breath a really long time.
0: This envelope stinks.
1: Everybody else is passing out around her. She's like that's weird. This is
0: strange.
1: But finally she has to take a breath and a hand with a scar on its wrist. I guess a wrist isn't part of a hand.
0: A hand with a scar on its
1: wrist. (laughs) Comes reaching out. Takes the envelope from her and she boop blacks out. They all come to not until the morning. Well Ned says we were pretty stupid. We didn't put anyone on guard. Whoops.
0: And they got away with 11 whole trunks.
1: And they took what is surely the clue, the envelope. Well, Nancy says, I think it was empty. I think there's another clue somewhere. Yeah, I think
0: that was just, you know how uh, every stagecoach has a a load-bearing envelope? I think that's what that was.
1: It's another red herring.
0: Because if they took it, that's not convenient. And Nancy knows that it's got to be convenient, so that can't be the clue.
1: Finally, the lawyer and a bunch of people show up just as they're at the second to last chest.
0: Heard y'all got drugged out here.
1: Nancy's like, well, watch out because we're about to open this chest and there's probably a clue. And there is. It's a letter.
0: But this one is Abner. addressed.
1: It's addressed. It's dated. It's signed. and It, it says <laughs> not red herring. It says, guess what? You know the brick on the courthouse that says established in whatever the year is? If you take that brick out, I've hidden something that'll help you in there. They have a celebration (laughs) breakfast because Ned thought ahead and brought them breakfast after all this. Of ham and egg sandwiches, thermos bottles of orange juice, and steaming cocoa. When the orange juice was poured into paper cups, Ned raised his cup. Here's to Nancy Drew, best girl detective in the world. She's certainly amazing, Sergeant Hurley said. (laughs) Meanwhile, conveniently, all the criminals have been rounded up. Yeah, that
0: always I mean, that happened. That's fine. Off screen.
1: People did different things. Basically, the Monteiths are just con people who go around to different resorts conning people. Just
0: like looking for fun little cons to get themselves into.
1: Somehow they overheard Nancy saying to her friends that they were going to go visit Mrs. Struck that first day and they followed them and eavesdropped and have ever since just been trying to figure out what's going on.
0: Meanwhile, Judd was paranoid about more building happening in this town because he had been told that there was still wealths of uranium ore under the ground and he didn't want it to be covered up by buildings.
1: Well he told this to the Monteiths who also were conning him
0: into helping them find the ore.
1: And so it was in fact a Geiger counter inside of that cane because they were trying to find ore with it.
0: Also the town officials are immediately like we checked for uranium ore before we built.
1: Yeah there is no. (laughs) And Chud
0: literally says why didn't anyone tell me? (laughs)
1: Yeah what? Tell me there wasn't uranium. Come on! The one time that the Geiger counter ever went off was about this stone in the woods and Nancy just happened to be there to hear it.
0: Yeah, someone had rolled some uranium into the woods. That's never explained.
1: The explosions had served to, do- to a double purpose. One was to scare people into moving. And the other was try to try to get at the Search orb, for uranium orb that they thought was in there.
0: So the guy wh- whose wrist has a hand, the wrist is guard, and the blonde man, one of whom was a sailor, they were hired goons.
1: Yeah. yeah. That's, that's about that. As they take the criminals away, Bess stares after them compassionately and says, oh, why can't people be honest?
0: <laughs> they could just be nice.
1: Well, whatever this treasure is has been left to the town of Francisville.
0: So if it's enough, they can build a school with it. Yep. And guess what? They are willing on this one clue to bust open their town hall. (laughs) Inside is an entirely perfectly preserved book. Of Benjamin Franklin stamps.
1: They're worth like 30000 each, and there's five of them.
0: Uh, for a total of $150,000 dues.
1: Yeah, 1950s dollars.
0: And that's like two schools, three maybe.
1: <laughs> yup. Art says that he's going to get Mr. Jennings, the carpenter, to reassemble the old stagecoach.
0: Mr. Zucker shows up. Guess what? I got a job. Yeah,
1: he found a job at I don't a, need money anymore. Uh, camp. All the town officials are loud in their praise of Nancy and her friends. They agree to have a special celebration as soon as the old stagecoach is restored. The decision that the town comes to is that the young kids are going to dress in costume and go on parade with this stagecoach. Or else. <laughs> <laughs> they try to get out of it, but there, there's nothing for Nothing it. doing. The mayor also proposes that they make Nancy an honorary citizen of Francisville. The response was thunderous, but Nancy hardly heard it. She was reflecting on how well everything had turned out for Francisville. For a brief moment, she wondered whether her next mystery would be as much of a challenge. Although she had no way of knowing, the secret of the fire Fiery dragon. dragon was to prove just as baffling and ex- exciting when the applause had died down Bess whispered you see george there was something to the clue in the old stagecoach
0: where's my flipping sweater (laughs) you
1: lost your wager now you owe nancy and me each a hand knit sweater george frowned then said all right this adventure was worth it are we gonna bet on all future mysteries now
0: (laughs) i'm gonna if it gets me a sweater (laughs) well looking forward to next time i'm carl
1: and i'm hope
0: go Go Wildcats! wildcats All right, you can start your song. Happy. <laughs>
1: might need to have a special episode about this video game sometime. I
0: have a, we have a, there's a host of video games. We can, um, oh, I don't know. Put them on our Patreon.
1: Remember to support us at our Patreon.
0: <laughs> you can email us at riverheightsradio at google.com or find our Patreon, River Heights Radio. We'd really appreciate it. Instagram at River Heights Radio. Twitter at River Heights FM river heights radio on facebook and river heights radio on youtube uh and give us a review or five stars on uh, apple podcast or spotify or stitcher or wherever you're listening yeah if you listen this far i mean why not
1: we actually put a, a lot of hours into